Insert theme song here. I'm putting in a placement holder, Sam. I'm so sorry, Sam. All of the opinions expressed in this podcast. You gotta give it. (laughs) You gotta give her more time than that. (laughs) Cut it. One minute later. One eternity later. (laughs) All of the opinions expressed in this podcast are ours alone and are not intended to offend or disrespect any of the parties involved. We're just two people who know how to research stuff on Google then talk about it. We don't have any legal education and therefore shouldn't be taken too seriously. So don't try to sue us. We still couldn't afford to pay you anyway. Uh, Additionally, this podcast is about murder and will probably contain many other adult themes. So if that's not your thing, probably going to have a bad time. So listen at your own risk. I don't like that we make eye contact now when we do this, since we have it memorized. <laughs> Welcome back to Allegedly, the true crime podcast where your hosts hastily write these intros every week before recording after spending 30 minutes messing with our mics and trying to take a picture we're both okay with posting online. What he doesn't mention is that we did have plenty of time, but we spent most of it at the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> I'm Mike. And I'm Heather. Oh, I'm. this is my intro turn. Yep. Hello, everyone. We're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Sam, don't do delete not this. Cut this. <laughs> that was completely uncoordinated. <laughs> They'll believe that it's completely uncoordinated because we have not written a single truer intro than what I said right at the no. top here. That yeah. is literally our process every time. So we go to the Mexican restaurant. Yes. That's like two miles from my house. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like less than a five minute drive. We go there, we spend way too long there, yes. eating food neither of us should be eating. Yes. And then we get back to your house. We're always like, we're on diet, so should we be bad? <laughs> <laughs> should we get chips and salsa? Yes. Yes, yes we should. <laughs> and you should get those enchiladas and I should eat arroz con pollo again. Yeah, then we come back to my house. We mess with the microphones forever because it ne- for whatever reason... Every time we start recording this, there's something else wrong with the No, for whatever reason, you think that I sound bad when I sound great. I have the better podcast voice, and we're going to have that poll, that poll on coming. our Instagram Who has the when this episode voice? drops. We're putting that out there. Oh, okay, fine. And then they can tell you how annoying your voice is because it sounds like you inhale helium right before we record every episode. I can't help that I have a high-pitched <laughs> voice, Michael. I have okay. a nice, full, rich, resonant voice. And you have this Shirley Temple on crack voice. I think the mics would pick up me hitting you. Probably. <laughs> Probably. And you can't get away with it. <laughs> and the murder we're talking about tonight, they ate at their favorite Mexican restaurant. They did. Right before this dude dies. So I feel like this was more like research then. Right. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. So we're justified in our enchiladas and arroz con pollo and the chips and queso and salsa and the pound of sour cream we ate between the two of us. Unfortunately, I don't think Dr. Kevorkian ate Mexican before he committed his crimes. So. Right. No excuse. But there's no (laughs) proof that he didn't at some point eat a burrito before he euthanized (laughs) someone. Okay, so I guess this is the part where we talk about the case. We probably should. We're like already several minutes in. Tonight's case is another one of those where Mike and I have not discussed whether or not we think this person is guilty or innocent, but we certainly have discussed that both of us are like, again, just completely confounded. We have like no... Confounded? Is that... That's a word. Confounded? Whatever. Whatever. I'm just saying you should probably know the English language if we're going to record a podcast and put it out there. It's fine. 
this episode is my turn to attack you because you're always coming at me. And if anybody disagrees with that, I just want you to go and like read all of the comments on our social media. Whatever. Where Heather is constantly yelling at anybody who agrees with anything I say ever. Yeah. Well, they need to be educated. So I'm right. we still see. Here we go. Okay. Now, yeah, see, exactly. if I were to say you were wrong all of the time, I'd be labeled as like the sexist jerk. You and probably you can are. get away with it. <laughs> Did you hear that? He is. You hear him yelling at me? Oh, yeah. I'm Do you yelling. hear how loud his voice is? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so we still have not said what case we're right. going to talk about. In any case, Mike week. and I are both confounded. Some of you may know it as confounded. Nobody about- knows it as confounded. <laughs> I've heard it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, so yeah, this case certainly left us both confused and probably on the fence. But I, I think- still do not know right now. As we are recording yeah. this, and we record this all in like one take, unless yeah. we pause for like one of us to use the restroom for or two fight. minutes. Well, yeah, I mean, just that one time, <laughs> and that tape has been deleted. Yeah, I, was I have hoping no idea. We would talk about this, and then I would be guided to my. I'm hoping the same thing. So it's like it's literally the blind leading the blind yeah, here. I know. Neither one of us has decided where we fall on this. No, not at all. I'm hoping I'll get there though. Okay, so this is a case of Jim and Sandy Melgar. So let's let's just jump right in here. Oh, so, you're supposed to say dive in. We say dive in all the time. I was already I like know, envisioning. I was trying to change it up because the last episode we said dive like five times. I know, but I was already envisioning like the merch that we'll be able to sell at some uh, point that says dive let's right dive in. in. Yeah. It should say allegedly. Well, I mean, we'll have allegedly, but then you also need to have, like, some catchphrase tees. We can't just throw allegedly on everything. We need a better catchphrase. We're better than that. I know, but it's just become, a, like, it's an organic thing. I suppose. Okay, so And actually, you started it, just so we're clear. Fine. Whatever. I did. So, Sandra and Jim Melgar. So, uh, Jim Estuardo Melgar. Actually, his name is Jaime. He was born in Guatemala. And he immigrated to the United States with his family really young he was only three years old and he moved to houston texas where he lived until he died and he was always described as really funny and he like he would make these ridiculous jokes and everybody called them gym jokes and Are they like dad jokes yeah i guess just really stupid you know just he was just a funny did you guy. hear that heather's dad your jokes are stupid no, according <laughs> to your daughter because i know he's been listening to this podcast now even though Hopefully. in our first few episodes you like called him out that he would never listen to it first of all dad have you written a review oh because i'm coming for you <laughs> yep called out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he was just an all-around like funny and likable guy now sandra melgar was born sandra jean mccullough in February of 1955. And she met Jim in their senior year in high school in 1977. And there's this really cute story that's told about how their first date went. So I guess he would like pull her hair or like, you know, like stuff that probably wouldn't be considered, you know, chill right now. But back then it was cute and, you know, got boys picked on you when they liked you. And so he'd be like sitting behind Weren't her. Weren't they and, seniors in high school, not in like kindergarten? First of all. People were way more innocent back then. Okay, now we have 12-year-olds with Snapchat who are doing God knows what. Well, I mean, TikTok is worse. I agree. (laughs) First of all, bring Vine back, please. 
For the love of God. No, let, let Vine go, Heather. I can't. You just want to be able to say... The videos need to be limited to six seconds, Mike. No, <laughs> no you just want to be able to quote your favorite Vine. You Absolutely. have been itching to say it on a recording. <laughs> and I'm going to let you say it right now so it can finally be over. Wait, which and one? I never want to hear it ever again. So it's not the avocado one. It must be the... I smell like beef. <laughs> I smell like beef. <laughs> there you go. It's over. I never want to hear it again. It's an avocado. <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs> I have more. Stay tuned. Was it on Vine that they did the uh, free shavakadu when yeah. somebody like pulled up <laughs> free to Del Taco? Yeah. <laughs> right. So anyway. We are um, not getting a sponsorship from Vine. In case anyone's wondering, we did not get paid for that. Vine is done. That's how old we are that we're quoting vines on our true crime podcast. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, they're in their senior year of high school, and Jim is always kind of, like, very just lightheartedly picking fun at Sandra. He's got a crush on her. She doesn't really give in to him or anything like that, and then he asks her to go ice skating with him and a group of his friends, and she agrees. So she gets to this ice rink, and Jim is there, only with one other friend. So this group never existed. And then mysteriously, Jim's friend disappears. So he's somehow kind of like... Wait a minute. They were involved in a murder when they were in high school? No. <laughs> he returns the following Monday at school. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> this Not got a, this significantly like less interesting. No. So yeah, so basically she was just kind of left there with him alone. So they skated and they were inseparable until the day he died. So yeah, just a cute little story. They dated for three years and eventually married on December 12th of 1980. Five years later, they gave birth to a daughter, Elizabeth, who was their only child. And during that time, they were baptized in the Jehovah's Witness church. And Jim was studying uh, IT and Sandra was studying to become an LPN. And they both did that. Jim found success in an IT company. I couldn't actually find where. And then Sandra worked at a hospital as an LPN. Unfortunately, though, Sandy started coming down with some health issues. Now, even before her daughter Elizabeth was born, she had been diagnosed with epilepsy. And then shortly after Elizabeth's birth, she was diagnosed with lupus. And even more ailments that we'll discuss later as we actually get into the case. But she was a fairly ill person for the majority of their marriage and a lot of people describe jim as being like the superhero husband that he constantly like was researching her illnesses and how to better take care of her and i had listened to one podcast i believe that had said that although she was starting to like her health was starting to fail her and she was in probably the worst shape of her life that jim took that opportunity not for vain reasons but to become in the best shape of his life so he could be a better husband and father like a better family man to make sure i need to be healthy to keep her healthy right and they and he even i mean he would search for like experimental treatments home type remedies you know like homeopathic type things right just anything that he could find that could help relieve some of her pain yeah make her life a little bit easier and he spent more and more of his time you know as her conditions progressed he would just Mm -hmm. spend more and more of his day-to-day 
spent, you know, yeah. focused on that. And especially when you're talking about epilepsy and the frequency of her seizures at some points were so bad that she can't drive. Right. Yeah. He had to drive her for everything. Yeah. Daily errands, so, all of her appointments. Yeah. So that led her to have to quit her job at the hospital because obviously she, she just couldn't do it anymore. And instead of just kind of going home and doing all of that, she still wanted to stay in the workforce. So actually, she and Jim kind of came together and formed their own business in medical billing because he had an IT background and she had a healthcare background. So the two of them formed quite the like working relationship as well. So they have their own at-home business and they were both able to work from home and stay successful. I mean, if you see the pictures of their house and things like that and their financial situation, which we'll get into later, by all accounts, they were doing really well. Mm Mm-hmm. And in fact, at the time of the incident, their daughter, Elizabeth, who had since graduated and she had moved to Europe, I believe she was in England, she was able to remotely also help with the family business with medical billing because her father wrote the software and she was able to work as well. So they're really smart and innovative and still able to keep a steady, good income, even though Sandra couldn't, you know, go and get another kind of job. So I just thought that was really cool. And just by all accounts, they were just a really fun, loving power couple. No issues. So they had been married for 32 years on December 12, 2012. Unfortunately, Sandy wasn't feeling so good on the day of their actual anniversary. So they had to wait until she was feeling up to it, and they decided to celebrate their anniversary a little later, which brings us to the night of December 22nd, 2012. So they go out to their favorite Mexican restaurant, Los Cucos. Oh. Yeah. That is not the name of the one we were at. No, no. I couldn't see what they ordered either. I did look at the receipts. It doesn't say. They left an $8 tip. I don't know if that's important. You found that they left an $8 tip but couldn't find what they ordered? I looked at the receipts. It just says their total, but it doesn't say what they ate. I don't don't like that. I don't either. I like to imagine that one of them had Eros Campoyo. I guess we can imagine it because it doesn't say. Sure. They could have eaten whatever they had. They had exactly what we ate. Yeah. They shared chips and salsa with queso and a ton of sour cream. Yeah. He had Eros Campoyo with chorizo. Yeah, and she had enchiladas verdes. With sour cream on top. There we go. Two chicken, one cheese. So now you know what we eat yeah. at a Mexican restaurant before we record yeah. all the time. <laughs> so they eat at their favorite restaurant, they leave, and then they go to a CVS down the road to pick up drink mixers. That receipt does say what they purchased, Coke and Sprite. So vodka and rum. Probably. Sure. Yeah, so they purchase these mixers and then they drive home where they go to the master bedroom's master bathroom and they have a jacuzzi tub they turn on the jets they get in the tub they have like their drinks that they've made and they have strawberries and whipped cream and they're and they naked oh they're doing yeah they're doing mommy and daddy things (laughs) in the tub so but yeah just all around enjoying their 32nd wedding anniversary in the hot tub their empty nesters life is good the next day december 23rd at approximately 4 30 p.m Jim's brother, Herman, comes with his wife and his daughter for what was a previously planned holiday dinner. Which, side note, because I was looking at the pictures of the house earlier, and I noticed, I was like, well, where's their tree and their Christmas presents? But they're Jehovah's Witnesses, so do they not... I don't think... I I, said they were there for a holiday dinner, but I don't believe I thought that Christmas was one of the ones that they could. I'm not sure. Because it's a religious... Hmm. holiday because they don't do birthdays birthdays and things things like that because you're not supposed to 
I guess it's like idolizing mm. other than the Lord. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. But really I would sure. imagine that for like Christmas and Easter, like those religious holidays, I I do think they can still celebrate. If you have knowledge of, or if you are part of, or have been a part of the Jehovah's Witness Church, let us know. Yeah, if, for sure. If Christmas is something that can be celebrated with gifts and things, they may celebrate it, but they may not be allowed to exchange gifts because I didn't see a Christmas tree or presents anywhere. Right. Right. So anyway, so Herman, his wife, and his daughter come to the house for a pre-planned dinner that they were supposed to be having that evening. Herman is knocking on the door. Nobody's answering. He goes around back. The back door is locked. Still no answer. So then as he still peruses around the house, he sees that the garage, they have like two smaller garage doors and one of them is open. So he walks in through the garage and he goes to the laundry room that's attached and the laundry room is unlocked. It's closed, but unlocked. So he lets himself in, his wife and his daughter go, and he kind of just goes, okay, well, have a seat, you know. Like, Yeah, I'll he go. goes around yeah. to the front door and lets them in the front door after yeah. he goes through. And then he just invites them in and is like, okay, have a seat, you know, let's settle. Like, maybe they're not here or whatever. But something seemed, the daughter describes it as like something is, something is off. And they very quickly begin to hear, it's screaming, but to them it's a little muffled. Right. So they go into the Melgar's bedroom, and then it, it gets louder, just the screaming. So finally Herman rushes into the bathroom where this sound is coming from, and there is a chair, like, nudged underneath the door holding it closed. So he removes the chair, busts open the door, and there's Sandy Melgar laying there, bound. He quickly goes to try to untie her. He cuts it. In the meantime, his wife and daughter have now discovered Jim laying in a closet next to the master bathroom, dead. Sandy gets up, rushes over there. She is absolutely inconsolable. So, yeah, Jim is Jim is, is dead. Right, and it was confusing to me when I was first doing the research because they keep talking about that both of them were found in closets, both Sandy and Jim. Mm-hmm. So Sandy is found, there's a walk-in closet in the master bathroom, and that's where she is found. So if you're walking through the door of the bedroom, like picture it, before you hit the bathroom door on your right is a master bedroom closet. Right. Then that door, they're like catty corner. And then when you walk straight in to the left of the jacuzzi tub is... The bathroom right. closet. Right, so kind Sandy... Kind of like a his and her kind of closet. One's in the bedroom, one's right. in the bathroom. Right, that's what it seems like. So Sandy is found in this closet in the master bathroom. In the bathroom, yes. It's a walk-in closet there, and Jim is found in this walk-in closet off of the bedroom. Right. It seems like Herman probably, he didn't, he passed Jim, but he's obviously going straight toward the sound right. to go unlock this closet where there's a chair and, you know. So when they find Jim's body, he is still nude. He's been beaten and stabbed. Mm-hmm. The closet that he is in is about 30 feet away from the closet where Sandy is found. His legs are tied with a phone cord, and there's a rope tied loosely around his chest. Sandy is also found bound, her arms and her legs. Right, yeah. And they couldn't get that untied. So Herman and his wife are trying to get these binds untied and it's not working so sandy sends them to go get scissors and they wind up having to cut her out of yeah right the way she was bound and this happens before obviously the police are on the scene right so this is all yeah this is all going on then so i'll just kind of run down i guess like the evidence and observations first and then kind of fill in some of the stuff of the timeline for the evening okay that we get from sandy when she's being interrogated jim is stabbed over 50 times. Yeah. And he has defensive wounds on both of his hands. He is badly beaten 
uh, on his face and his head. And it was to the extent that there was serious damage to his skull, his Mm -hmm. brain, and his facial bones. As they're looking around the house, there are drawers that had been pulled open all around. Jewelry boxes had been rifled through. A wallet and a purse were overturned on the bed. They find a white blouse and a kitchen knife in the jacuzzi tub. Right. They that also, still has water in it. Right. Yeah, the yeah, water. You can see yeah, the crime still scene water photos online there. if you just look them up. They're there, but yeah. They find a loaded gun, and it's actually found hidden from view in the closet where Jim is found. Right. And there's also a locked safe. Yeah, just like in that closet. What within inches of his? Yeah, I mean body? just right there. Yeah. So that's kind of the. That's basically what they can see kind of right away. So as Sandy starts filling in the events of the night, mm-hmm. she has... Oh, it, let me pause right there. Sure. I apologize. So, but also at the, at the crime scene, Sandy is asked if she needs medical treatment. And right. she refuses it. And then she's immediately brought for questioning. Yeah. For interrogation. Yeah, yeah. Which comes back and plays a little bit of a part later. Right. As well. But while she's being interviewed, she's filling in some of these gaps. So, but she's having trouble remembering significant portions mm-hmm. of the night. But what she does tell the investigators is while they're in the jacuzzi tub around midnight, mm-hmm. their dogs start barking in the backyard. And Jim gets out of the jacuzzi to go see what's going on. Right. Yeah. After he's been gone for a few minutes. Sandy decides she's just going to get out as well. She gets out. Yeah, she says 15 minutes is an account that I read. Sure. I saw a couple different time frames, so Mm -hmm. I was... But 15 minutes is basically like the average. So she gets out. She goes into this walk-in closet in the master bathroom. Mm -hmm. And she's going to get dressed, but she dries off and she's putting on lotion or something. And then that's it. She blacks out at that point. She remembers nothing else. The next thing she knows is she's tied up in this closet, locked in there, and Jim's brother and his family show up. So then she's she's also starting to fill in other little gaps and mentions that there was a car that trailed them home. Yeah, there was like after CVS. Yeah, because they stopped at CVS after the restaurant. So, but she says it turns off at some point before they get home. So it didn't yeah. actually follow them all the way home. Yeah, she it was just of, a car behind them for some portion of the I, trip. I feel like she was implying because she said that Jim was the kind of guy where if you tailgated him, he would slow down. Like he was going to, you know, try to tick you off. Right. And that that's what was happening. So the car continued to follow them and then eventually turned away. Right. Like they made different turns. So it never followed them all the way home. Yeah. She just mentioned it. She thought that it was weird that it was behind them for so long, I guess. Yeah. She says that she never heard or saw Jim being attacked. Didn't hear anything. Mm-mm. So she says at one point that she must have blacked out after hitting her head or being struck. Right. But then also at but another point. But she doesn't point, remember hitting her head or being struck. Right. She doesn't remember that. Yeah. But that's what she believes. But then at another point says uh, that it may have been an epileptic seizure yeah she says like she goes it that's what it feels like like the the feeling that she had was the feeling that she would usually get after she's had an episode right and a quote from a part of her interview i couldn't move because i had had a seizure and so i usually can't move anyway i hurt all over and my head hurts right obviously all of this is just seeming a little odd 
mm-hmm. and a little convenient to the investigators that she doesn't remember anything about this whole attack that must have happened, they believe, about 30 feet from her at, at the most. Right, Because of yeah. where she's found and where the body's found. And she even admits to them that she knows how it looks, but yeah, then she points says out to the them. Video, yeah. yeah, she says, I know how it looks, but I was also tied up. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of, you know, she's dismissing that stuff right away. So it, it takes some time. They're not really finding anything that leads them to anybody else. Right. This happened at the end of 2012. And Sandy winds up being indicted in the summer of 2014. So a year yeah. and a half later. Yeah, they said that they like all of the accounts I see basically say that the police department wanted to arrest her that night. Oh, yeah. And that's that's definitely the feeling that their daughter mm-hmm. gets and Herman's family even yeah. Felt the same way that the investigators almost immediately it was tunnel vision. Sandy was there. Was yeah, their they suspect. just didn't see any implication of uh, an intruder, so they just immediately thought it was her. But for whatever reason, or maybe they didn't feel they had enough to hold her, so they they let her go. And then two years later, they I guess have they feel they have enough at that point to indict. Yeah, they and- have something to move forward with an indictment, and that's the summer of 2014. Yeah, they put a um, warrant out for her arrest because they don't go and arrest her. They no, a, they put the warrant out. Her daughter finds out about that through mm-hmm. the attorney because mm-hmm. they had already retained one because they knew it was kind of heading in that direction. Right. And the daughter and the attorney both tell Sandy, you know, you should just go turn yourself in. Right, which she does. So she does. So she does go and do that. So at the trial, which doesn't start until 2017, so you know we're talking about about a year and a half between. Jim's death and the indictment. Right. And then another two and a half to three years yeah. before we actually have the trial start. So the prosecution argues that Sandra wanted a divorce, but feared that they'd be shunned by their fellow Jehovah's Witnesses. Really nothing to support that. That's yeah. just their theory of a motive. Kind right. of what they're throwing at the wall hoping will stick. The defense lays out all of this evidence, this perfect picture of this happy couple. Right. No one had anything to say that could lead anyone to believe that either one of them was looking for a divorce. Right, yeah. And that's what the daughter testifies to as well. Excuse me while I turn my page. (laughs) So then the prosecution tries to explain some of the questions that can be raised because of the crime scene. Right, okay. Um, So they say... That it must have been some type of a sex game where Mm -hmm. Sandy convinces Jim to allow her to tie his feet. Mm -hmm, Right. But it was tied with a phone cord. Yes. So just keep all of that in mind. Then once she convinced Jim to let him or to let her tie his feet, she takes him by surprise. Yes, with the kitchen knife from their own home because the murder weapon was from their own home. Yes. They argue that the scene was staged. To make it look like a home invasion. Mm -hmm. And some of their evidence of that is that the drawers are neatly arranged. They're not really, like, dropped or thrown about. Yeah, basically that, like, some stuff was reportedly missing. Well, they... But that other things that you would imagine a robber would take was still sitting there. Well, and the prosecution argues, essentially, that nothing of value was taken. But the defense says, yes, there was. I know that the daughter specifically mentions there's like a TV that was gone. I mean, the daughter was able to list not a lot, but a few very specific things that were missing from the home. The prosecution also argues there was no sign of forced entry. So it couldn't have been someone else Mm -hmm. coming into the house. It had to have been Sandy that did this. 
So the officers then record some demos. And we talked about these uh, when we discussed the death of Rebecca Zahau. Mm -hmm. And so they do these demos to show, oh, that she could have tied herself up Mm -hmm. the way that she was tied. Yeah, she could have tied herself up and and locked herself in the closet. Right, she could have done this with the chair because you can use this rug to pull this into place as you're closing the closet door. Those videos are readily available. You can watch them and kind of make those judgments for yourself. Essentially, it's possible. The videos prove that it's possible. That's really all that they prove. Right. The prosecution also argues against Sandy's version of the night with her having a seizure because for several years leading up to that night, mm-hmm. she hadn't reported any seizures to her doctor. Right. She kept a she kept a journal of it, I believe, like or at least some sort of record and then reported those to her physician. Right, and they were able to yeah, and they were able to I don't know if it was through her personal records. I imagine they had access to those, but also through the doctor. There just hadn't been reports for several years. Right. So it was very odd that all of a sudden a a seizure would cause the blackout. Yeah, they were just saying that it's convenient to, after all of this time, have a seizure at the very moment your husband is being murdered. Right. Right. So then the defense argues, you know, Sandy's hands are clean. There was no sign of a cleanup at the crime scene. Mm-mm. So how is that possible? There are no injuries to her hands. She didn't have any chipped or broken fingernails. And you'll remember defensive wounds on Everywhere, both on arms and hands yeah. for Jim. So they're saying, how could nothing have happened to Sandy if she was the one that attacked Jim? Right. If Jim looked like that and there's nothing, there's nothing here on Sandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense also pretty heavily relied on the fact that there was some unknown DNA found on the dresser drawer handles. Yeah, the drawers. Unknown male DNA. Male and female DNA. Oh, okay. So they had found male and female DNA that did not match any members of the family. Mm-hmm. So it's on the dresser drawer handles. It's on r- door handles to the bedroom, the bathroom. So they rely on that. You know, obviously somebody else must have been in the house. So all of that is thrown at a jury throughout the trial the jury deliberates for eight hours over two days Mm -hmm. at the end of day one jury is split right down the middle yeah but somehow by the end of day two they return a guilty verdict yeah all of them have flipped yep so eight hours of deliberation over two days sandy is found guilty of jim's murder she is sentenced eventually to 27 years in the state prison and she is still yeah, now. She currently is, yeah. She is still now sitting there, and she is appealing that and working on post-conviction motions and relief with an attorney who many of our listeners will probably recognize the name. Yep. Kathleen Zellner. <laughs> yes. Who has been involved in the Stephen Avery case and yeah. several other Which you guys will know cases. if you don't recognize either of those names, that Stephen Avery is the convicted man in Making a Murderer. Another wonderful Netflix docuseries. I couldn't stand that one, but we'll, whatever. <laughs> so there are a lot more details, details that, yeah. in here. But I guess those are debatable, so that'll be... Right. There's a lot, I think, that can be argued. So, I mean, I, I tried to give perspective for both the mm-hmm. prosecution and the defense in yeah. there. I think that's, this is a, that's a general description of the case and how it went and now we can kind of more dive into the the details let's go yeah we're gonna okay but we're shall gonna dive we... right in okay did you have 
let's go with what our first thoughts were. Like when we first heard this case, like what we thought. So my, when I heard this and I heard this like right after the trial. So a few years ago and my very first thought, she's guilty. There wasn't a question in my mind. I was like, oh yeah, she, she definitely did this. She killed her husband. There's no other, it didn't make sense to me. Since I've been researching for the past two weeks, I leaned heavily towards what was I thinking this woman is innocent. Now, I, just in the last 24 hours, I've really been like, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> now I don't, I, I could go, I could go either way. So when I first read it, I, I think I had the initial reaction that the investigators do here. Like, oh no, that's way too convenient. Yeah. She definitely did this. And that was, that was my mindset listening to a lot of, you know, I, um, listened to some YouTube videos, listened to some podcast stuff, read some articles. My mindset the whole time is, all right, let me find everything that proves she did it. Yeah, yeah. And I still found myself going back and forth and back and forth. And I still, at this moment, and we've only done, you know, the the kind of general lay of the land. At this moment, still have no idea yeah. how I will actually rule on this one. See, I tried hard to, like... Because I was just so gung-ho the first time I listened to this that she was guilty, I'm like, you know what? I haven't had an open mind whatsoever with this. Let me go and try to find things that make her innocent. And I think that's that's when it flipped me. But now that I went, okay, great. I've looked at it from both perspectives, guilty, not guilty. And now when I take it all in, what do I think? And I think nothing. <laughs> I yeah. think I'm like... <laughs> Just no, and then <laughs> what I think is funny is, you know, and we've said this before, we don't talk about these cases. We don't no, talk about no. what our opinions are, you know, before we get here. We have some conversations about how we're going to format. What are you going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? And we'll, we can, we kind of will discuss, did you decide right away? Yeah. Did that stick? Yeah, our phone did call today was, because we haven't even talked about this until today. Today. And yeah, when, when, when you called me and I was like, are you as confused as I am? <laughs> and you were like, I have no clue. <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. I used, I used much more colorful language on that phone you call. You did. But we've agreed not to use that but on this we podcast. we are a, fa- well, I wouldn't say we're a family-friendly podcast. What? Fun for the whole family. What are you talking about? Right. Everyone loves murder. Great. And then what I thought was really funny, though, is I, I said to you, as I was searching desperately for an energy drink at the gas station on my way here... That I had actually gotten to a point where I just took a sheet of paper and split it right down the middle. Yes. And I put guilty on one side and not guilty on the other and, and started writing down. And I have it here down. right in front of me and I was like, you've got to be kidding me because <laughs> I have a sheet right here split and I, well, mine is labeled prosecution and defense and I'm like, these are the things that make her guilty. These are the things that make her innocent because I don't know. And it's a pretty even list. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For everything, just about everything that I wrote under guilty, I then had... A just as solid an argument that she was not guilty. Right. Yeah. They really, so, and I, I, that's why I can't understand how the jury made a decision. Okay. I know that you're forced to. I mean, you have to, or you, you could Yours be looking hung, at a mistrial. Jury, yeah. I just don't know how they made the decision because this yeah. does seem so even. I mean, absolutely everything you can bring up on one side, mm-hmm. there's another argument on the other side, and none of them really seems ridiculous right yeah okay yeah the one thing that i'm really left with a big old question mark is a motive which is super important when yeah, you're looking that's... for a murder conviction and i just i can't find, I can't one. find one either and the motive that the prosecution gave at this trial bunch of crap yeah there's think... absolutely nothing that supports that yeah 
they bring up that there was a big life insurance policy, but this had existed yeah. forever. Well, this before wasn't we like get to two all weeks that, before. Let's go like let's start to approach each of these items individually. And we are currently in our jury room. The jury room that exists in our mind palace. Here we our are. Our mind palace. Our mind palace. Okay. We've I, been... I'm worried. I, I don't know whether I think this is going to be the most interesting back and forth that we've had because neither one of us has made up our mind yet or if it's going to be the most boring back and forth we have I don't know because neither of us have made up our mind yet well but the thing is that I guess we'll see because we don't know which pieces of evidence we feel makes her guilty or innocent because there are certain pieces that you could argue either way and maybe we can just argue these pieces of evidence out and see all right so I guess I'm gonna let you be the four person Oh, well, okay. <laughs> see, I'm not sexist. Um, I'll let you be the four person. We'll see about that. And so why don't you go ahead and introduce, and I mean, okay, so, I'll keep track here, and if I have something yeah, you didn't bring up, then I'll bring it up. Let's try to do this starting chronologically and then go through the evidence. So let's go through the events of that night and then go through, like, the physical evidence and then go through maybe the parts of the investigation. So that night, everything that had happened before they got home is proven with receipts, that's a given. So we can skip all of that. Right. We know they went to the Mexican yes. restaurant. We know they went to CVS. Yeah. We do know that they, what she described there, that the romantic part of their evening, that's true. There were eaten, half eaten strawberries and whipped cream and they were both nude. She had a robe on when she was found, but they, they were both nude. They were intimate with each other in the jacuzzi. All of those things happened. And then let's go to the part where things change. When Jim gets out of the tub. Okay. The dog's barking. Yeah. Okay. So she says that they heard the dogs barking. And that obviously directly conflicts with the fact that she didn't hear Jim being murdered. And says that the jacuzzi is on. So let's talk about that. But not only does it conflict with that. These were small dogs. Right, yeah. These are yappy dogs that probably bark at absolutely everything. And according to their neighbors, do bark at absolutely everything. All hours of Mm -hmm. the day and night. All of the time. Okay, yeah. The neighbors who have have an issue with these dogs barking and and the noise do not hear the dogs bark at midnight that night. Really? Okay, so I have not heard that piece of evidence. So that's interesting. Yeah, I found it in, it was a newspaper article from right about the time yeah, the trial was starting. Yeah, I heard about the neighbors. I hadn't heard that they hadn't heard them. So the neighbors had complained several times, I guess, to Jim and Sandy, but I think also filed like an actual complaint. Give me one moment. I need to write <laughs> down that particular tidbit on one side. Of Do I think that makes... <laughs> I know what side I have that written on. So they have complained to Jim and Sandy, and I believe they filed actual complaints, like, you know, called in noise complaints about it. Right. They don't hear these dogs at midnight that night, which is supposedly this, you know, kind of like the lightning rod that starts all of these events. Yeah. When the night turns. Yeah. So go ahead and respond to that. (laughs) I love your face right now. I wish everyone could see it. (laughs) Yeah, because now I'm like, well, that throws a wrench in things. Um, Okay, well... Let's just let's just say, so if the dogs weren't barking, then that opens a whole other can of worms. It sure does. Which certainly, I think, would prove more guilt than anything else. Do you agree on that, at least? Yeah, I have neighbors didn't hear dogs barking under okay. guilty right here. So now let's go 
And let's just say they were barking because that's what she says happened. So let's just say because when you're thinking of this, you should never be trying to prove someone guilty. You should always try to find things that would exonerate them. You should innocent until proven guilty. Well, that's yeah. the way we're looking until at it. Until you can't anymore. This is not how the police a jury at, probably but, well, looks at it either. But we're going to be more level-headed and do things the right way. So the dogs are barking. this is why people like us do not get chosen for juries. And I know I've already had this rant, but I have always wanted to serve on a Me jury. Me too. And now that this podcast exists, we will never be chosen for but a jury. But the thing is, just because like, I think, oh, someone is guilty or whatever, and we're saying it in here, doesn't mean that if I'm in a, a jury deliberation with all of the evidence and given specific rules that I couldn't follow those rules or make an informed decision. And... Let the record show in case I do ever get called for a high-profile murder case, which please call me. I would never, ever make a decision based on my emotions. It would only ever be on logic. We are never going to be selected for a jury. So your plea is to this imaginary prosecution or defense team right now to choose you for a jury... Never going to happen. Fine. Whatever. Anyway, the dogs are barking. They're in the jacuzzi. They're naked. Jim gets out because these dogs are yapping. She says in the interrogation that the jacuzzi is on. Yes. Which is why she couldn't hear Jim being murdered. So but how they the, could hear the dogs barking So how, how did she hear the, the dogs barking? I, I and just, remember, dogs are in the backyard. So they're outside of the house. Yeah, exactly. Jim is being murdered... And I mean, attacked and beaten. Mm -hmm. This was not a quick. So that's also another thing, though, is that's why the garage door may be open or unlocked. Or maybe how someone could have gained entrance is that maybe perhaps he unlocked a door at some point to to get these dogs. Well, that's which would mean that they would have had to relock the doors and then go out through the garage. But they're also I believe it was their daughter, someone who was familiar said that the door that was unlocked, the uh, garage door that they were able to actually gain entry into mm-hmm. the house through, was always unlocked. Mm-hmm. And people who visited them often, people who spent time with them at their home, knew that that was always unlocked. Yeah. So it may not, it doesn't necessarily mean that he had gone out for the dogs. This is just a door that's always unlocked. Okay. All right. So we'll just say that that's true. He got up to, to get the dogs. So now, now what happens? He's accosted? Like, see, that's the thing is that we have to try to piece together what would have happened had it been an intruder. Right. So because there was a lot of talk about the fact that there was no signs of forced entry. Right. That argument, though, kind of goes right out the window when you know that they always had this door that was unlocked. Anyway, you wouldn't need to force entry because there's a door to the outside always unlocked right yeah so that argument kind of flies out but and that could i mean the intruder would would be causation for dogs to bark right so that and that and i think i think that's why that's part of the timeline that's given Mm -hmm. that's why there's so much emphasis placed on he got out of the jacuzzi because the dogs are barking Mm -hmm. because that implies that there was something wrong because the dogs are barking. Second Which is question. why I mentioned, though, that these are small, yappy dogs that bark at everything. So I haven't thought of this until this moment, which happens a lot. I feel like I say that in every episode. <laughs> I didn't think about this until now. He's naked. Yes. I, I know it's your own home. I know that. 
But I feel like if I were going to go check on my dogs outside at any point in time, night or day, I would probably wrap a towel around myself. Then again, I don't know if it's like a female thing, if like males are less... I don't know. What what would you do in that situation? Let's just say you, you're you in, in the shower and you hear something. You, what, what would you do? I immediately lock whatever the closest door is and find <laughs> oh, no, no, something no, no, no. sharp or blunt... <laughs> Let's just say it's during the day. And hide. <laughs> it's, it's during the day. No, I I have no shame whatsoever. Okay, And yeah. if, I'm, if I'm by myself, I'll walk around naked all day, every day. So that doesn't bother me. Okay, so and maybe it didn't bother him. I mean, to me, because of how I am as a person, I'm going, oh, no, I would, like, slip on a robe or, or a towel. I'm not going to go around windows and doors being nude right i mean it's very possible that there may he may have had a towel on that just Mm -hmm. wasn't on by the time his body was found but i don't remember seeing anything about a towel being no strewn somewhere but i don't know that that would necessarily make it into any of the notes anyway when it's not contested that they were in the jacuzzi so they would have used towels i don't know also now i know to never come to your house unannounced don't ever yeah that's no not yeah, I actually I almost bought one of those doormats that says. Also, please, please for the make love sure of you God, ring the doorbell. Man, put on a towel because if you're ever murdered, I do not want it to be in the news, like found in the nude, you know. Or what if I happen upon your dead body and there you are in all your glory? I mean, like, we've we've known each other long enough at this point. I'm not. I guess if it happens, it happens. I guess. I mean, you're dead, so right. So I don't care anymore. <laughs> Just put some clothes on, man. I have said that to my family several times since we've started recording this, that I refuse to be murdered now because I'm not going (laughs) to let you get famous off of my murder story. I was going to say, could you imagine the ratings? (laughs) (laughs) I'd much rather you get murdered. Could you imagine the reviews? Riveting stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden, it it turns from this like anthology where we talk about a different case every week to you just obsessively doing like 10, 12, 15 episodes investigating my murder. Oh, and imagine if you're naked, though. That's going to be a whole other element that I. You'd have a whole episode about that. And be like, yeah. And you'd be talking about, I told him to put (laughs) on a towel. (laughs) You did. Okay. You're going to be like, go back and listen to the episode we did about the Melgars. <laughs> I told him. He didn't listen. Okay, so let's go back up to the crime scene. So we've talked about the no uh, no forced entry, maybe forced entry, because they do have pictures of the back door. It looks a little shoddy to me, but it is locked with a deadbolt. Okay, but there's also the, the other theory involved with this as far as the no forced entry mm-hmm. that I read. Is that when Jim went out back to get the dogs, he would have left the door yeah. open for a minute. You know, if you step out into your own backyard, I'm I'm imagining they have a fenced-in yard. I'm not 100%. I, I, I would think so sure. if they're putting small dogs out there. Right. They're just letting them right, run exactly. around in the middle of the night. So if you're stepping out into your own fenced backyard, you're going to leave the door open behind you for a minute while you call the dogs. Or take a look around if you're worried that something's wrong. Yeah. And then you're going to go back inside with the dogs. So and he's going to do the, that naked. Yeah. It's fenced okay. in. I just said that. Well, I mean, you said Let your freak flag fly. But if... Oh, jeez. So oh, no. So he steps out into the backyard just to make sure that everything's good. hmm And grabs the dogs, goes back inside. One of the theories is at that point, while that door is left open, just for a few moments, the intruder get, goes in through the door. The intruder was in the backyard. That's why the dogs are barking. Right. The intruder slips in behind him. 
Right. When Jim comes back inside, closes and locks the door, there's the intruder already holding the knife. And that's, you know, so that kind of circumvents the need to find uh, signs of forced entry. I'm not advocating that theory. My thing is, if the small dogs were barking because the intruder was in the yard, wouldn't they have been still barking at the intruder while the intruder waited for Jim to open the door to slip in? So I, I don't like think that it's so, the, Yeah, it doesn't... I don't think that it makes again, the most sense. It's just not, another theory. Not impossible. Right. But improbable. Correct. Okay. So let's go back upstairs. I guess... Let's go to the closet that she's in. And the evidence there. So she's tied up. Her She's bound not just her hands. It's, all, it's tied all the way up her forearms. Mm-hmm. Which is honestly a piece of evidence that I feel is in her favor. Because it's tied up so high. I know they did this thing where it was possible. But just like in the Rebecca Zahauza case. Possible, and like we just said, but improbable. Or why would someone... I, also, when Herman comes in and finds her there, he described it as being incredibly tight. They couldn't untie it. Right. They had to cut they it off. They had to cut her out of that, right. And, I mean, yes, I guess it is possible, but again, it just seems really unlikely. But the other thing that's important to note there is, you know, they, the police specifically note that she does not have ligature markings Mm. and bruising and things that you would expect. Yeah, if you if see she the had pictures been tied of her, yes. for 14 hours. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. Because I've seen the pictures. She has bruises on her arms, if you look at these pictures, but they're not ligature marks. They're just kind of like almost circular or splotchy bruises, not from but being not, tied up. But right, there's not yeah. bruising consistent with the way that she was tied if she had been tied that tightly right, like that. For 14 hours. Right. And I I don't remember who had posted it. That was something that I found on Reddit. Because Reddit has been a great source while we've been (laughs) looking into these things. But it was... I mean, the the investigators noted that. That was one of the reasons why they looked at Sandy so quickly. Mm -hmm. Is, well... Where's the where are the ligature marks? Where right. where's the bruising and she was tied from being with a, tied well, like this for so long? Yeah, she was tied with a scarf, but I don't think that matters because it's still constricting her. Well, the, she had to be cut out of it. If it were that yeah. tight, you'd be talking about you know cutting off circulation. Yeah, you'd be talking about still ligature marks. There'd be bruising from things like that. There'd be yeah, indentations into the skin. I don't know if people in, people in tight. the uh, in the BDSM realm. Let us know how long does it take. We're to just, bruise? You're just really trying to expand the audience right now. I mean, first of all... You've asked for Jehovah's Witnesses to reach out. Who else now BDSM gets, people. I, we're bringing them together. Who else gets tied up? Think about it. Who? I don't know. But Houdini? Can, here's, here's my plea. Can someone listening to this start a Reddit thread about our podcast? Yeah. Please? <laughs> <laughs> I just want people on Reddit to be talking about what us. You. And what we, yes, me. Just talk you about just, me. <laughs> Heather, forget her. Talk about me. Whatever. I'm the one acknowledging how wonderful Reddit is as a source for true crime. Talk yeah. about me. So, so reliable. I'll be looking for the mic from Allegedly Thread on Reddit. Oh, God. Okay. So, anyway, we're still in her closet. So, she's... That piece of evidence can go either way, I guess. I guess. Oh, now we're jumping back to the bisexuality in the Peterson case? Is that what's happening? We're just swinging both ways? We're swinging both ways. We sure are. I know. That um, was a reach. I tried to... That was a... That, I know. That was a reach. I mean... Sam, Don't mention that should, on the Reddit thread. You should take that out. Sam, just leave Embarrassing. it Embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then the next obvious piece of evidence is going to be the door and the chair. 
Okay, and again, in the demonstration videos that you can find online, yeah. they do show that it is possible. But again... Yes. and the, But the way they describe that it is possible, and this is important, is that she... They allege that she used a pillow sham or pillowcase. And right, they there said was like an one. area rug or something could have been well, used Well, they found... Too. There was a pillow sham. Right. In the closet, which... I'm going to go out and say that, no, it's not an incredibly unusual item to find in a closet. And looking at the pictures of their home, it's not clean. And not because of, like, the drawers being pulled out. It's just, it wasn't, like, dirty, dirty, but there's just stuff everywhere. Kind of like my house right now. (laughs) Stuff everywhere. It wasn't dirty. It was just not tidy. Like, it was obviously lived in. Yeah, yeah. So finding the pillow shim in there isn't like a huge red flag to me, but they were definitely saying that it's a possibility. What you would do is you put the chair on top of the pillow sham, close the door, like you put the pillow sham halfway in the closet, halfway right, out. Right, just close enough the under door the door over, that you yeah. can... And then you start pulling it under, but then she'd have to pull it to where the the head of the chair is underneath and wedged under right. the door handle. Now, another piece of... I guess, evidence or testimony, rather. Now, I don't even want to say that it's testimony because Herman, Jim's brother, who found them, he said that the chair was on tile. It was not on a pillow sham. Right. He said that there was nothing underneath that chair. But you'd be chair. able to continue pulling right. that pillow sham. But that's, that leads Once to another piece. Once it's up against piece. the door, you can just... So Herman and his family were never questioned again. I mean, that's poor investigation for yep. sure. But never... Wait a minute. You're telling me that the police don't always handle these investigations properly? I really do hate to say it because I really... I am shocked by that <laughs> fact in every single episode we record. Uh, yeah. That, I, yeah. I feel like the, the really good investigations and things, you don't hear about those kinds of cases so often just because, because they, they solve do a, them yeah, and, and people can't argue them because yeah. the investigation was done properly. Right. So... Yeah, so those are the kinds of, those are the big pieces of evidence with Sandra in the closet, physical pieces of evidence. And then the physical pieces of evidence on her, obviously, none of her fingernails are broken. There are no, like, cuts. Now, you're stabbing someone 50 times. What are the wounds that you always see on people who are stabbing somebody that amount of times? You see knife wounds on their hand because when a knife gets that slippery, and you're using that much force, your hand starts to go down the shaft onto the blade itself, causing cut marks on your hand. Right, you're going to see very, I mean, even if they're very small, there's yeah. going to be like nicks to your fingers or your right. palm. And again, and she had no fight, blood on her hand. And with the fight that he was putting up, yeah. based on the defensive wounds, there'd have to be something. Yeah. And again... Now, there is, you know, there's some bruising on her arm mm-hmm. that, like you said, looked a little bit more like maybe her arm had been grabbed instead of being, like, tied up. Yeah, grabbed or hit or she hit but something. But he didn't have defensive wounds like he grabbed the arm of his attacker and was holding on tight. Yeah. These were defensive wounds like he was trying to stop the knife yeah. from hitting mm-hmm. his body. So then, I guess, let's move on to Jim and that closet. Well, and what ties in there, though, is, so these... We're talking about more than 50 stab wounds and yeah. really overkill on the way that he's beaten about the head and face. Yeah. And so... He's the, he's bludgeoned, he's stabbed, and bound. Right. And... And the poor man is naked. I just can't... I just feel so bad for well, these and people. That's, so with, with 50 plus stab wounds, this indicates that this is something emotional. There's some type of passion involved here. And the wounds are relatively shallow. 
they're not as deeply penetrating. It indicates a female as opposed to a male mm-hmm. because of the because we're not the depth we're not as the, strong. Is that is that what you're saying? I'm telling you what the investigators. I'm sorry. Have let said. me let me ask you again. Are you saying that we females are not as strong as you males? Is that? I just wanted to to clear it up. For, I'm saying for your Reddit thread that the. <laughs> That the investigators and medical examiners say that when you have shallower stab wounds, Mm -hmm. like the stab wounds on Jim, it would be indicative of it being someone smaller than him. Yeah. And more than likely a female. Okay. That has nothing to do with my opinion. Yeah, so, of any so let's woman's go back strength. to the in not inter is it a, it might be a separate interrogation. So at some point in time, Sandy has regained a memory or two. And she says that a female was there. That there was a male and a female that had entered the home. I really can't find any more information on what else she just de- like how she described it. But I mean after the autopsy comes out, you could... She either did really remember something and that does explain why there are certain pieces of evidence that lean toward a female. So that's either the truth or, like we see many times, that's a way to explain away evidence. Right. Well, yeah, because as we're finding out, oh, well, these shallow stab wounds are indicative of a female. Right. Like, oh, well, now I remember this woman Mm -hmm. being in my house that night. So the other thing to go towards your theory of like defense and that a female was attacking him is the gun. So he kept a gun in his safe. And if you look at the crime scene photos, there's blood on the safe. Like he was trying to reach for the safe, but he was so close to it and his arms are right there. And what I've heard some opinions say basically that that shows hesitation, that perhaps he didn't want to shoot the person that was attacking him. And why wouldn't you want to shoot an intruder? Right. So that's another point that points at Sandy. Well, and again, the type of injuries, and that's just speculation, right? But the type, the type of injuries, and the uh, extent of the injuries, the amount of time it would have taken to stab fifty plus times, right, and bludgeon someone like this, and tie this person up while they're nude. This all indicates it's someone th- that he's familiar with, and someone who would be yeah. comfortable being found in the home. Right, we've talked right. about that with a couple of other cases yep. as well. Yeah. The longer you're willing to spend at the crime scene, mm-hmm. the more likely you're comfortable in this place because if somebody were to find you there, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be worried Which about that. Which is a nice segue into the next few pieces of evidence, what he's bound with. And they say that he was bound after he was killed. They say. Well, that's from the autopsy report. Right, I just, I guess I don't understand. I really couldn't understand how they figured that out. Right, I, I guess. don't understand, I guess, what but, the science is I mean, is there. Let's, let's just say, I mean, they're obviously smarter than we are. So let's just go with a report by a professional, assuming that his opinion is correct. I just wish that I, I I've just never, I've never heard of any type of science that shows to me so how you get to that conclusion. I think, I think, because I did read one explanation, and it's basically saying that the way that the blood would settle or that the body would react, like you're saying, strangulation marks and things like that, well, the blood has stopped pumping once you're dead. Right. So it's not going to leave the same kind of bruising or like like the lividity is going to be different and that kind of thing if you're tied up before okay. you're dead. And then also the... The time period as well. That could also say if he has no bruising and things that he was tied up fairly quickly to when he was found. 
I suppose. Either way you look at it, it shows that this person was probably comfortable in the home. Now, that's right. not to say, let's just go ahead and play devil's advocate here. That is not to say that Sandy wasn't already knocked out and locked in that closet when this happened. Right, but they're still spending a lot of time yeah. in the home. So it still indicates someone who is familiar mm-hmm. and would be comfortable being found yeah. in the home. So now, but that also then lends itself to, it could have been someone from outside of the home mm-hmm. who is there often. They would know about the garage door being unlocked where they'd be able to access the home without any forced entry. They'd be comfortable being found there if they were a frequent visitor. Mm -hmm. It may be if they were related. I did not see this anywhere. I don't think that it necessarily has a lot of uh, weight to it, that it really kind of works out. But for the sake of argument, what about Herman? We always look at the person who finds the body, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then again, they only interviewed Herman and his wife... The one time right after and never spoke to them again. Why weren't they looked Let's, into uh, a little bit more? That I want to go. I want to go back to that after we go through this. So I have something to say to that, which is probably my biggest point in the whole thing. Okay. Let's set that little nugget aside. All right. Okay. I'm going to make a note so make we don't note. forget because Put it has still been gnawing at me that we never talked more about uh, Michael Peterson's sons and the shenanigans they I pulled know, in college I know. back Listen, in episode one. It was our one. first episode. We said like five things in the episode like, we'll come back to it. Ha ha ha. And then we never did. We just completely left you guys hanging. And for that, we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, we are more upset about it than you are. <laughs> yeah. Although, <clears throat> quick commercial break. The Allegedly Podcast will soon be bringing you lives. <laughs> Please join us as we debate live. <laughs> we might even, we've talked about possibly doing those live streams over TikTok. Oof. And maybe that'll reach us out to a new audience. Oh, God. Yeah, you're over there trying to expand our audience. Oh, my God. I'm just saying right now, it's like three quarters of our audience is between the ages of 28 and 34. Yes, I yeah. check the analytics the obsessively. No, no. That's great, okay? But if we want to expand a little, maybe we throw TikTok some love. I don't know. How many of you TikTok? Let us know in the comments. I don't, listen, is there... like I don't know. Like, There's all these different parts of TikTok. Hey, maybe is if we're on TikTok, my TikTok? sister might actually listen. <laughs> <laughs> is there true crime TikTok, though? Like, There's a bunch of... I don't know. There's all these different areas of TikTok. I don't know, TikTok. but the Alyssa Turney case got a huge... like They, they made the arrest. Right. Because her sister was posting on TikTok. Right. Yeah. So we could anyway, be... Anyway, we're, we're getting way off track. We could be the... We could spearhead the movement to have true crime TikTok. Just okay. think about it. You you work on that. Hashtag allegedly on TikTok. Oh my God. <laughs> you guys, he just... I can't... Oh dear God. He just did the, the two finger over the other two finger hashtag what is what has happened to you we've been friends for so long and you are becoming a completely tiktok is ruining you oh my god hashtag i use tiktok oh no very infrequently listen Uh, your hand gestures just then say otherwise okay let's get back to the melgar allegedly on tiktok (laughs) i haven't even started it yet but I'm hoping by the time this episode airs, I'll have already created the profile. And forced me to do it with him. Okay. Yes. All right. So um, there were also another few pieces of evidence that the chair is from the dining room. And why would they be bringing a chair from the dining room? The chair was not 
Well, they, they had said, the prosecution had said, because there was blood on this chair, that Sandy must have sat him there as part of the allure of, like, the... How do I... Let, let, me, let me rephrase this differently. So, like you had mentioned before, they had said that maybe Sandy was, like, luring him, luring him into a, a compromising position because... With the, with the promise of sex. Right. And they had also found sex toys underneath their pillow. And Sandy is like, that was given to us as a joke. And mm-hmm. you, could, you could take that either way. She could just be embarrassed. They're, they're very religious. And I mean, honestly, I think a lot of people would be embarrassed for investigators to find your stash of sex toys. Like, these are people you don't know. They're trounced right. in I mean, your house. Right, I mean, it's an invasion of your privacy. Yeah. And yeah. if you did not do this and you, were, you and your husband were attacked by yeah. these intruders and now your whole sense of any type of privacy yeah, is exactly. being ripped away. Yeah. So I don't take that at all to lean towards like some weird sex game. I mean, so she had some sex toys. Who cares? Joke or not, if they were hers, and that piece of evidence isn't important to me. Why do they constantly try to drag people's sex lives and sexuality into these types of cases? Because I really do think that that evokes the most emotion from people all different kinds of but don't you think it's kind of a cop-out like if you have to bring somebody's sexuality into it and somebody's sex Uh, life into it it you obviously don't have the evidence you need unless it's pertinent to the case there are a few cases where like they the not the victim but the the person being accused they're the ones using like oh it was a sex game gone wrong like, in those cases, I feel like, okay, yeah, it's probably appropriate to talk about their sex life if he's using their sex life as his defense kind of thing. But that's not the case but that's, here. No, that's not the yeah. case here. The prosecution yeah, reaches at that like, straw. I mean, I think it is safe to say that probably every adult has something, whether it be a sex toy or an internet history or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, everybody has If they that. ever do find my dead body, please... Clear oh. my browser history. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean, let just. The I'm gonna stuff be. The, I, I'm gonna be like, hey, I need to get to his nightstand first. Thank you. <laughs> just like, just the stuff I have to Google when I'm researching oh, for I this know. podcast. We wouldn't want them to find, right? Let alone other things. Yeah, you. Uh, you know where I keep my uh, anime collection. Yes, I of sure books. do, and <laughs> I will burn them all in the fire pit at your father's new house. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so um, they basically were saying, like, this, she was luring him in for a sex game, and that's how she was able to... Because the argument is, is how did this frail woman overpower him? And that's how they're saying, that's how she lured him. Uh, right, well, with because the they talk about sex, all of these ailments that she had, up, she yeah. couldn't overpower. Yeah, right, so and, it's easy to say that, oh, well, yeah, they were going to you know have some fun and he allowed her to tie him up that definitely explains it again you say it's easy it's lazy to then use that as your how you explain away that it doesn't make any sense that this woman who was ill and this is her caretaker he does everything for her very devoted to her i mean spends it was just more and more of his life like we talked about was about taking care of her yeah just, and as everything progressed... Well, and now they're saying she's going to take care in. of him. Oh, boy. Right. So anyway, so there's and blood on that chair. And you were mocking dad jokes earlier. And there was also like a stool. And I honestly don't know what the importance of these pieces of evidence were. Apparently they were important. But 
these things were not brought into the bedroom, the chair, and the stool that night. They left marks on the on the carpet that that was something that was like you know the marks that your bed leaves after sitting there for years. Right. Th- those are the kinds of marks that the that were on the carpet from the chair and the stool that had been there. So no, she didn't bring this. She didn't bring this chair and this stool in there for some sort of sex game. Right. They used it for their dog to jump up on their bed. And again, she wasn't a super great housekeeper. You know, I, I, I say that as though she's the only one who can care for the house. Neither was he. The right. house was messy. It was just, under, but it was, again, it was lived in. It's not like, it wasn't like, you weren't walking yeah. into an episode of Hoarders or anything like that. Yeah, it was it just, just I wasn't, mean, it wasn't a lived in, tidy. messy, right. yeah, whatever. My mother, she would drop dead <laughs> if anyone ever saw her home. The only person who's seen my home tidy. in this condition is you. And in fact, you're the only person my boyfriend will let in this house in this condition. He would be mortified if anyone else saw it in its current state. It's well, I'm going to take, a t- since I know he doesn't listen to this, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to take pictures of it. And <laughs> when this episode airs, if he has not come up to me and said, don't show those pictures, <laughs> I'm going to show those pictures to people. Okay, fine. Now you yeah. can get him to start listening to I episodes sure and say, hey. Mike is warning you about something in one of these episodes. You better listen and find it. Yeah. Otherwise, he's going to look under your pillow. Right. And see what you've got hiding yeah. under there. Yeah. He has nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... He is very vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess the other part of the room is the tub, where the murder weapon is, and the shirt. Okay, so I do want to... I want to jump down to the shirt for a second. Okay. Because on Reddit... There was someone who, it was through the podcast that was done about this. Missing Pieces. So. Oh, no, wait, no, wait. Missing Pieces was a separate one. This is Truth and Justice with, I think his name is Bob Ruff. Yeah, I didn't, there are I didn't write the stuff down. There are multi-episode podcasts, if you guys are interested. They do like a whole, they're kind of on the, um, I would say on Sandra's defense. I and, think most of the stuff that's out right, there is and, in Sandra's defense. Yeah, those two podcasts are are not like ours. It's completely different. So uh, definitely worth checking. No, they focus on this case and they're like kind of deep diving. Yeah, they and, do like multi-episode And cases. they're like investigating. Yeah. They're actually trying to like yeah. crowdsource solutions to these things. Yes. And so one of the things was with that blouse that's found in the jacuzzi, mm-hmm. the brand Oh, is I'm like, sorry. The, the two names of those podcasts are Missing Pieces and then Bob Ruff is the one of the... The author of the other one. Yeah. I'm sorry. So continue. So, so the, the white truth and blouse. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I start talking again, just yeah. go right ahead. So the white blouse, the, the brand, the label is specific to Costco. Costco. Mm-hmm. And, Which you have to have a membership. And for. you have to have a membership card. So that was just something I thought was really interesting that I found on Reddit. And mm-hmm. I, you know, because this podcast was kind of crowdsourcing for information, I think it was someone on Reddit. Yeah, it who was. Initially found it wasn't in, like the investigators or anything right. like that. It was someone who, like a like a redditor, like an armchair sleuth that was like, "Hey, yeah, I know where they got that shirt." Yeah, I, I hate <laughs> that they say like amateur sleuths is what you find. What like I saw that in the headlines of so many things while I was researching yeah. this case. <sighs> yeah, and it's like these people are giving a lot more care and attention to detail to mm-hmm. the things going on here than the actual investigators did yep. when they were looking into this. So let's not talk about who's an amateur here. <laughs> okay? I'm going to defend our people. Okay, first of all, maybe these investigators don't shop at Costco. But this person on Reddit 
it, like you just Google the name on the label. I suppose. Anyway, so the significance of this is that one that lead hasn't been investigated. It was obviously missed during the investigation, and I don't believe has been investigated to this day. And because you need a membership card, there is yeah. a track of everyone who purchased that blouse mm-hmm. from Costco in that area. Right. So yeah. that gives you, that limits your suspect pool immediately. I mean, you, you could certainly, I mean, there is a possibility that you, the first thing you would do is look up Sandra. Right. Does Sandra have a Costco membership? Did she at any point in time? Could Did she ever purchase this blouse? Right. Not to say that it couldn't have been gifted to her or something like that, but you could, I mean... Kind of rule that out, I guess. Right. And then also in this tub is the knife, the murder weapon. Absolutely. And there is water. The water was not bloody. No. And that's one of the things that's so strange. He is stabbed over 50 times. And there's there's so little blood anywhere. And there's no evidence so, of anything being cleaned up. It makes no sense. I have to throw this in there, and again, I don't mean to be gross, but being a female, I sometimes have to wash blood out of clothing. If you get to blood right away, it washes out. Right. So, to me, not seeing any blood on this shirt, or in the water, or on the knife kind of says, well, could have run water over it, rinsed it out, rinsed the knife out, and then it was, you know, you're rinsing it until it's clean, and then that's the water that's been left but in the tub. But they would find the blood in the drain. They'd, you know what I mean? They'd be able to find at least traces. I suppose. I, but I haven't heard any, I haven't heard any evidence for or against it. They said that they, they didn't find any blood on those items, but I haven't found anything that said that they did or did not investigate or find blood in the drain or if that was something... But I did find specifically that it was mentioned that there was no evidence of a cleanup at the scene. Right. So that, to me, implies that they did It would imply something. that they investigated everything thoroughly. It implies That's that. True. But obviously we're looking at something that wasn't investigated so thoroughly, so that definitely leaves a possibility that there is blood there. Well, I guess the other, the only other piece of physical evidence left to discuss is the, like, crime scene itself. The, the drawers pulled out, the, like, all of that kind of stuff, which we kind of, kind of touched on. Which I do think, I understand the perspective of investigators and the prosecution that it looks staged. I kind of, too, you can look at the pictures and on her dresser are her prescription medications. As a thief... That probably, and a lot of people don't know drug names or what they're worth, but I would think that they would probably grab every bottle they could. Right. They're small. You can fit well, them in your pockets. Well, you're going to be grabbing at a lot of things. And then the jewelry box is like rifled through, but not that there was any specific right. pieces of jewelry missing or expensive. I don't know how expensive the jewelry she had was. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some people who exclusively have costume jewelry. It's not really worth very much. Yeah. So that's, a, you know, I don't know about that. But not that, that they but... would know that with looking at it at first glance. I mean, but, a lot of the times you can't tell when a ring is like cubic zirconia or a diamond. I don't know. But my, I'm basically. What, one of the few things that I'm fairly certain of is that whoever this was, whether it was Sandy or someone else, was familiar with Jim and Sandy, familiar with the house, comfortable being mm-hmm. there. So they would have known those types of things and maybe would have known what to grab and what not to. And that's what contradicts it appearing staged because they knew what they were looking for. So right. they could pull a drawer out and be like, nope, that's not the right drawer and keep going. I don't know what it was that they were looking for, but if they are comfortable and familiar, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have to dump every drawer out 
looking for something, they'd be able to kind of do it a little bit more methodically the way that it appears Mm -hmm. in those photos. And so again, one piece of evidence, two completely different interpretations, because I can absolutely understand why it would appear staged. But if you believe, based on a lot of this other evidence, that this is someone familiar with the home and comfortable in the home, that doesn't necessarily mean it was yeah, staged. Yeah, but even they didn't so, have to make it also, it, to, to, to further your point, though, that doesn't mean that it wasn't staged by someone who does know the home. Because right. let's just say you wanted to rot, like you wanted to kill me for whatever reason, and you're in my house. This not part of the show, people. <laughs> <laughs> Keep this in mind. <laughs> so, and you don't want fingers pointed at you because you're close to me, obviously. What would you do? You might open some drawers to stage the murder even though you're not my husband but you come into my house it could have been a family member or whoever and is like i want them to think it's staged the, the same motive that she would have for staging the crime scene someone else, someone else that they have, know right. could have yeah i mean I, I feel like that's a logical explanation True. so um, now we have three completely different and totally reasonable explanations for the appearance of the crime scene yeah. Sandy staged it. Someone else familiar with the house staged it. Or because it was someone familiar with the house, they knew what they were looking for and didn't have to destroy everything mm-hmm. to find it. Or the other alternative is that the crime scene wasn't staged and they were robbed. And we just don't know what was missing or perhaps they didn't find anything of interest. Of the four options, that seems like the least likely to me. Right. But it is an option. It is. Again, possible. Not plausible, but... Correct. So now that we've gone through like all of the well, physical, well, there's also the unidentified DNA. Oh yes, which yes, we have yes, not yes, 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 yes. Okay. So they find unidentified male and female DNA. Yeah. Not a match to anyone in the family. However, this was not investigated thoroughly mm-hmm. and effectively. When what? it says, <laughs> when it says, not a match to anyone in the family, who did we actually test? If they yeah. only spoke to Herman and his wife that day and never again, did they test this DNA against them? Could the DNA be theirs? It wouldn't necessarily incriminate them that their yeah. DNA was there. They found Jim and Sandy. See, that's just the... I feel like those are certainly questions that probably were answered in the courtroom or maybe information that the jury did end up getting, like knowing that, oh yeah, well that's that was ruled out, whatever. It's just information that obviously isn't available to the public. Right. I have been able to find, and I told you this when we talked earlier today too, I just feel like I was able to find a lot less about this case Mm -hmm. than most of the cases that we've done so far. You can find the full documentation for the appeals, but not the trial. Right, and then but then that's all coming from the perspective of... Those are all opinions. Right, and it's all coming from the perspective of the defense and Kathleen Zellner... In, in particular, yeah. would be doing a lot well, of Well, the no, there, there is a response from the state as well right. on there that you can see. They have both documents. But again, all opinion yeah. stuff. So it's all biased, okay. yeah. essentially. So now that we've gone through the crime scene and the physical evidence, shall we move on to the interrogation? Sure. So, or let's go back to that little tidbit because you said you had something to say about it. After moving outside of the crime scene, see it that night... Sandy is asked if she needs medical care. She declines. 
I mean, but she says she feels horrible. Right. That's that's what I'm saying. So during the interrogation, you're saying, oh, I, I was in so much pain, pain everywhere. Right. I couldn't move. This is what happens after I have these seizures. You haven't had a seizure in several years. Mm-hmm. Now, she and does eventually later say, oh, no, I did have one within the last year or yeah. something like that. Now, is there Miraculously, a test, like, that appears. Is, I, I should have looked this up. Is there any kind of testing that can be done to say whether or not a person has experienced a seizure? I don't know. I know that they can do imaging to find whether there's like injury or trauma to the brain, which would be caused by something like that. But when you have epilepsy, Hmm. where you have these seizures on a regular basis, even if it hasn't happened for a while, I would imagine that is still going to show up on a scan. Because I'm So I thinking, don't know that they'd be able to tell whether yeah. she had one recently or not because she's had so many in the past. This that is makes un, an uneducated guess because I simply do not know. But I, I almost feel like she would shy away from going to the doctor because she doesn't want to be examined. No, I think that she declined the medical attention because she hadn't yet decided she was going to use one of her conditions right as an alibi and that's well, not the yeah, best that's what term, I'm saying but... she doesn't want someone to say you didn't have a seizure well but, I don't, but again yeah. assuming they can't tell that for sure because she does have yeah again seizures, I, I, I don't know she says no to the medical attention because she hasn't yet decided she's going to claim she's in all this pain right. and it was because of a seizure. Yeah, which brings us into the At interrogation. At this point, she's ready to say that she was so, probably attacked. Yeah. So, and then that's why her story changes. Mm. And then when she decides that she's going to say the seizure caused the blackout, miraculously, oh, look at this date within the last year, I had a seizure. Oh, but you never reported that to anybody before. Your doctor didn't know anything about that. Isn't yeah. that odd? Yeah, and that's... She says that in the very in the interrogation that night in the very beginning she eventually that's what she tells him that she had a seizure and whatever now but the story is changing yeah it, i mean it's already gone through multiple changes by the time she mm-hmm. says that and so this is where my opinion came in the very first time what really swayed me and fun fact this is what swayed the jurors so there is a video that you can find. It's about a minute long, and it's from the Missing Pieces podcast slash show that they did on this. And they interview the jury foreman. And he says that, yes, the jury was split, and then they rewatched the interrogations. Mm. And that's what made everybody flip. So, and I could see why. Because the interrogation was probably what made me feel like she was guilty the very first time yeah, I heard this case. Yeah, she was very sketchy. So, notes I made for the interrogation was that... My first one here is annoying detective. <laughs> Let's get him out of the way before we go with Sandra. I feel like they... I know the investigation generally was poor. I don't feel that the interrogation was. I, I To me, it didn't seem like they were breaking any rules or being incredibly harsh. Nothing like that. I felt like they were doing their job, you know. But there's a part in there where she's kind of silent. Oh, and this detective just leans over to her and he goes, help me, Sandra. Help me. Help me, Sandra. Help me. I mean, for minutes me on end, and he keeps just repeating like that, the same I'm thing. I'm already annoyed yep. hearing me say yep. it. Yeah, I had to oh. cut in because when he, just listening to it one time. Yes, and at that point I'm like, I would crack. Now I can see why people, like, I was like, oh, my God. I understand God. false confessions. Now. Oh, my God. That's the, that's the very first time I've been like, oh, God, if I had to listen to that, I would have cracked. But then again, no, I wouldn't have cracked. I would have been like, I need an attorney. 
Well, and that is what she says. So that's what she does say. At the so, end of him repeating that right. over and over and over again. Yeah, so in this interrogation, this is where she kind of, and I listened to like a psychologist's perspective on this as well, where she kind of gives them a suspect and then pulls it away. And the psychologist explains it like she wants to appear as perplexed as they are as to who could have done this. Don't directly point out a subject. Like, don't directly point out that you think it's this person. You know, but to appear like the tailgater. You know, like, well, there was someone tailgating us, but they went away. Like, if it was just some, I mean, we've all been tailgated. We don't think they're suspects in a murder. You know, so she kind of, well, we had this, but I, I don't, I don't, they turned away. They probably wouldn't have done this. And so I meant to mention this before, but as a side hustle, they also owned multiple properties, rental properties. And they did have some reports of like they had unruly tenants or they had had some kind of dispute with some tenants. And she, brought that up while we've had some tenants and but I don't think that they would have done this kind of thing so kind of offering up these little pieces and then sowing reasonable doubt right but not yeah not just like blatantly pointing the finger but just like well they well no they wouldn't I mean there's this person but no no they wouldn't like that's kind of the psychology behind it and also she wasn't crying and I know I know what you're gonna say we can't judge how people react I mean, I obviously would assume that if something like that happened to my partner, I would be devastated. And they did say that she was, I mean, completely inconsolable at the crime scene. Herman does. Right. They say that she was, I mean, she, yeah. But she wasn't crying in the interrogation at all. But after hours of things and finally you're just sitting in a room, you haven't really gone through, you, you haven't processed it yet. I'll give her that. And then they asked her to take a polygraph. And this is another thing where people think automatically, if you don't take a polygraph, what are you hiding? And I actually kind of have to side more with Sandra in this because the detective says to her, hmm, well, why aren't you taking this polygraph? He asks her this in the interrogation. Is there a reason that makes me feel like, you know. And she says, because I'm freezing cold. You guys are torturing me is what she says you got i believe she uses the word torture they they weren't but they're basically just kind of but she's using it colloquially not right. literally to make like you, you guys are just like trying to make me relive this and putting right. all they're this. hounding yeah. her yeah and this is right after yeah and he's she's like, been found and yeah she's like i'm in pain i'm not in a really good emotional state i'm tired i'm freezing i'm uh, nervous again, because you're yeah. questioning me over yeah, and over again that, and implying sure i have something to do with this you know, she soiled herself while she was in the closet because she had nowhere to go, obviously. That kind of thing. She still... I mean, it's just a bunch of stuff. And it's like, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't Well, and either. she says, I don't want to take it. And then it gets used against me. Yes. And with now all he, of those factors in yeah, mind. And he does say, well, that's not possible. And that is true. It is not possible for him to use a polygraph against her. In court. In They'll co- use it against right, her up to... But they to- can't use it in court. However, the... If they didn't have a way to use it in the investigation, they wouldn't ask you to take one, right? So even though it's not admissible in court, they use it as a tool to get leverage against the person, you know, the suspect. Right. And I mean, do I... I don't think polygraphs are entirely accurate. I do want... I mean, it's proven that they're not completely accurate. But I do understand the use for them because let's just say you have five suspects 
and one of them says they're not going to take a polygraph, that's the one I'm going to look at first. Yep. I think it's it's a fairly good tool just to try to rule people out right away. Not that you don't come back to them, but if you have, let's just say all five took a polygraph test, four of them passed and one of them failed, at least that gives you a starting point that we're going to gonna look at resources. this. Right. right. So I see the point, but I see her point as well. But that's my, my point is he says it's not possible for it to be used against her, but that's not true. It can't be used in court, but it would have yeah. been used against her. If it, the results were inconclusive, for all of those yeah. reasons she stated. And actually, polygraphs can be used in court if both sides agree to it, which, why would they? Obviously, one side wants to use it to their advantage. Right. Yeah, so that's never going to happen. That's like both sides calling the same witness. It's like yeah. one of you's not going to be happy with that <laughs> right. testimony. Yeah, so technically, for anybody who's going to call us out, technically, yes, a polygraph can be used in court, but both the prosecution and defense have to agree to allow well, it Well, basically, in. anything could be evidence in court yes. if both sides agree. Right. The only reason it doesn't go in is because there's a legal yeah. and valid objection. Obviously, only one side wants to use one thing because to prove their point. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I have with the interrogation. And honestly, I thought when I first heard Sandra, I'm like, oh my God, she is just so annoying, really. I thought she was. I thought she was like, well, and I was tied up. And I was the, just very much, I don't know. She didn't seem, there was no passion at all. It didn't feel like she had just lost the love of her life. It just didn't feel that way to me. It and, all came across very uh, disingenuous. Yeah, and cold. And it and, was almost like she was already spitting out the evidence that was going to be used yeah. in her defense when she was charged and tried. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't know how I would feel being questioned. Me, I've, I've thought about it, of course. Like, if something happened to somebody that I knew or loved or anything like that, and I feel like I would just, I would, I want them to ask me every question. I want them to. I want to know that they're investigating properly. But that's my opinion. But then again, right. I mean, we listen to true crime every day. So we, we have, have a very different outlook. Right. Yeah. So... And then the main, the main thing here is, like, why? Yeah, there's no motive. The one motive that's thrown out there makes no sense. There's nothing to support it. There, yeah, they, they said that she had an affair. There's no evidence that either one of them had an affair. There is no evidence that they had any trouble whatsoever There were no financial marriage. issues. No. Their daughter says that they were happy. All of their friends say that they were happy. Now, we all know that that could be untrue but when you start going through people's facebook isn't real life yeah when you start going through people's emails diaries journals phone records that's when you you can't really hide that stuff oh yeah well if you look at someone's emails you might find hardcore porn oh yeah (laughs) yeah uh i'm just gonna keep doing callbacks to the staircase case for the rest of this episode there was no evidence of that at all and then the life insurance policy yes he had one yes it was large but it was done the decade prior right everyone i mean most people planning this for a decade most (laughs) people have a life insurance policy you know it's part of a benefits package when you have that type of a job Mm -hmm. so that's not odd right it's not like they signed for the life insurance policy two weeks or two days Mm -hmm. before he dies it just it was already it was in existence right and She's very sick. They're, of course, going to try to make sure that if something were to happen to him, she's going to be financially okay. 
Yeah. And, I mean, and vice versa. Well, right. I mean, that's just what people. That's just what people do. Just it's in case. called being an adult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they had no financial issues. There was no affair. Happily married on all accounts. Yeah, and even if she wasn't happily married, I mean. Well, I mean, she's also I very never, dependent on him, so it just doesn't. Yeah, that also doesn't like, track. Why get rid of your caregiver? But at the same time that I say that doesn't track, it just also doesn't track that there was an intruder in this house. Yeah, nothing that, that is a, makes that is sense. It. Who else has a motive? Right. So let's just say that Sandra has no motive, but the same argument can be made. Who else could possibly have one? Right. Because if you go with random home right. invasion, they were coming for a TV. Yeah. Like what? And now that brings me back to the nugget that you wrote down. Yes. Herman, Herman. and his wife. So here's, this is the, the biggest piece for me is that. Are you about to accuse Herman? No. I'm not. All right. Is that why was Sandra left alive? Mm-hmm. And if it were Herman, who she recognizes, why take that chance? You just lucked out that she blacked out and has no memory? You lucked out that she maybe had a seizure? Why that automatically rules out any family member well, to me. But it, it rules out anybody else who could feel comfortable enough to stay around in the house that long, yeah. too. So here's the thing. If they walked in and shot him, like if they shot him once and he fell and they go, oh, crap, like maybe they were caught and it was like a, a quick thing. And they went, oh my God, just tie her up. They don't want to, like they want to get out of there. They shot somebody. Like they, maybe they weren't intending to. But to stab him 50 times, bludgeon him and tie him up. I mean, when you look at how she was left versus how he was left, Mm -hmm. who would do that? There wasn't anything of significance taken. Even if it was a break in, nothing of a significant amount of money or anything like that had been taken from the home. Who, who, what motive was there? Right. I, that, and that's a huge thing that just pushes me towards her guilt. I, for whatever reason, she had some sort of motive or I, I, I don't know. But just the discrepancy in the way that they were both left at the end of the night just it doesn't sit well with me. But, but again, I don't see a motive for her either. Right. There's no... There's no motive has been offered for anyone. Mm-hmm. And the only motive, you know, the, when they were grasping at straws for the prosecution, it just doesn't add up. There's nothing that supports it. Mm-mm. Now, there were two other suspects that were mentioned. And the first one is a known burglar that I believe lived near the home. And the police officers, put, or the detectives rather, I guess just they visited his home because they did investigate this lead. I, I say the word investigate lightly. Right. They went to his home and what, placed a business card or something in the door to have them call him. And this burglar did not call them. And then they went, well, guess he doesn't want to talk to us. Yeah. Must not be the murderer. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. Well, if he did it, he'd obviously call <laughs> us back. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> and then the daughter, Elizabeth, she had issues with an ex-husband before who had they they dropped the charges but i guess he had either broken in or something like that or stalked her something like that and they were saying that it's not outside of the realm of possibility that he could have broken in and 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 killed but why just jim i don't know that that was offered up though from the daughter 
again, I don't, I don't see a motive either. She wasn't living in the home, so why would he be going there? If, if, if his history was stalking her, he wanted to be with her, why is he... Why would he well, I mean, go after the parents? And, I mean, she doesn't he, live there. She lives in England. But people can like spiral out and you want to do something that will get their attention. I suppose. But I just... it doesn't make sense to just do, to, for it to be that unbalanced. Yeah. But then again, it goes back to my point. Nobody that could have known the Melgars could have done this and left Sandra alive. Who in their right mind would do that? I mean, not that you're in your right mind when you're killing someone, but yeah. Well... Yeah, I think that's, um, there's probably more that I'm forgetting. I'm sure there's a ton more. There's a lot that we can't access, Mm. you know? So I think that we've done justice. Mm. You know, we've done as deep a dive as we can. Yeah, before we go into our final deliberation, because there was a verdict, so we have to deliberate. I just want to say how I feel bad for all of the victims in these cases. I really do. A lot of this case is focused on Sandra just because a lot of people doubt whether or not she's guilty or even people who feel she's guilty feel like she shouldn't have been convicted based on the evidence. And either side you fall on, you can say that the investigation is poor. But I just want to say that I feel very bad for Jim Melgar because he truly, truly was an absolutely innocent victim in this. He really was. By all accounts, he was a devoted husband and family man and he was in the best shape of his life celebrating his 32nd wedding anniversary with the woman he loved you know and i just high school sweetheart and then he's left naked stabbed 50 times bludgeoned bound in his and that's how it ends for him it just i don't know i i feel bad because not a lot about him is mentioned uh not even from sandra and it just is really sad to me. I just wanted to put that out there. Sure. I, I really do. It really pulled at my heartstrings that that's how this really genuinely nice man was left. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, deliberation time. What's your verdict? <sighs> I mean, going with the standard of beyond a reasonable doubt, hmm. I don't think that I can vote to convict. But if I go with just... Well, has your opinion changed? Do you... Do you think she did it? My gut tells me she did it. Mine too. I, I believe she did it. Nothing else, even though that doesn't make perfect sense and everything doesn't line up, right. more lines up if she's guilty than mm-hmm. some random Really, intruder. the only thing that doesn't line up for me is the motive is missing. That's it. Well, I mean, I also... You know, we, we talked about this with Rebecca Zahel. I also don't think it makes a ton of sense to go through all of that effort, mm-hmm. tying yourself up, finding that way to wedge yeah. the chair under the door handle. Maybe one or the other, but both. Yeah. Now, the psychologist I had listened to, and I, I wish I had written down his name, he kind of was under the impression that he also felt she was guilty because... He kind of said, you know what? She played the frail woman card because she never thought in a million years people would think it was her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why she thought she could have gotten away with this, that it was planned. And. But planned yeah. for what? But again, there's no motive. There's right. No, there's that's no what gnaws at me. So, my. If I were on a jury dealing with this case, I'd have to vote not guilty. 
There's enough well. reasonable doubt for me not mm. to feel comfortable voting guilty, but with the evidence my gut that's, tells me she didn't. Yeah, with the evidence that we can find, there may have been more evidence or more clarification on things that... Right, and I, I understand those interrogation videos tipping the jury, mm-hmm. but those don't eliminate the reasonable doubt that exists. Yeah. What tips it for me again is that he was stabbed 50 times, bludgeoned, whatever, and she was just left there. I right. find it hard to believe an intruder would do that. Right. And, and that's it for me. But yeah, and not guilty for me. Yeah, I would have to vote that way. Yeah. Not innocent, but verdict-wise, not, not guilty. guilty. Yep. Yeah, so that uh, wraps up the Melgar case, guys. Please, there we go. Please let us know what you think, uh, or if you have any other pieces of evidence for us. Cause yeah, if there's more find. information, send it yeah. to us. And... Yeah, let us, let us know what you think. So uh, if we have some time... We do. Okay, good. So we want to do a little bit of a... A little bit more get, get to, to know, know us. Yeah. And we're... We- <laughs> We're both doing these little grooves, like yeah, our we're both dances, like, in our chairs <laughs> get right to now. know us. Ooh. <laughs> so I have a question that we're going to ask, and this pertains to true crime. So my question is for you, if you could have any three crimes, it doesn't necessarily have to be a homicide, any three crimes that are currently unsolved, or maybe even one of these types of cases where someone has been convicted, what, what three cases... But it's cases, still being right, debated. Into, yeah, and, yeah. Which three cases would you want to have answered? You can pick three. Yeah, so I'm I'm Thanks. thinking and I'm gonna I'm jotting some down while I'm talking and stalling for time. I know one of them right away. I think one I think one of ours will match for sure. Oh well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll write mine down as well. Yeah, there are a couple there are a couple that are coming to me, but I don't know that those are really what I'd if I really had the time to think in depth about it, and I forced you to tell me what this question was going to be that you were going to ask. I know. I was like, you know, I have a cool question for the about me section. And he's like, you have to tell me. (laughs) Forced me to. Well, you tried to claim, oh, well, I'm not going to think about it until we get to the end of the episode. But you already knew what the question was. So it was just going to be in the back of your mind. Yeah, but as you can see, I'm still thinking about my answer. Okay. I only need one more. I have three written down, but I don't know that these are the three that I really definitively about, that's what i want you're gonna like wake up in the middle of the night being like <gasps> yeah i'm gonna be so upset about it now i have four written down so now i have to eliminate at least one of these but i think i'm i'm fairly that's certain okay. one of these will be on, i'm fairly certain one of these will be on your list so you have your three i have two i'm trying to think of like my third okay well i have four and i'm sure you're gonna say one of these so i think i have my three now Okay, go But ahead. I want you to go first. No, I want you to go first. Because the one that overlaps, I want you to be able to keep on your list, and oh, I'll no, read my no, other no, no, three. No. Well, then, then why don't we just keep that both for our honorable mention? And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I haven't seen your list. It's obviously JonBenet Ramsey. It sure <laughs> is. <laughs> I feel like that's the top. If you're into true crime, I feel like that's at the top of anyone's yeah, list. So we'll, yeah, so we'll go ahead and just say JonBenet Ramsey for sure. That's for both of us. Yes. Okay? And now we each get another three. Okay, okay so then bye. one of mine is going to be, I think... What a lot of people would jump to right away, mm-hmm. because people have just been fascinated with it for so long, Jack the Ripper. Okay, yeah. Obviously. I think anybody who is into true crime, that, that, that just gnaws at you. That eats yeah, at you. Yeah, and you know why? Because it's so old now, we will never know. Right. I am confident in saying that we will never know who it was. Nope. Yeah. So definitely uh, Jack the Ripper. 
I want to know the answer. And I think we're, we might actually get an answer to this one. It seemed, you know, there were some developments recently. Mm. Uh, Madeline McCann. Oh. I want to know okay, yeah. what happened to her. Oh, okay. And was not a huge fan of the docuseries that's on Netflix. Didn't love the way that it was done. But that one bothers me too. I want to know what happened to Maddie. Yeah. And then I think other than JonBenet Ramsey, my top that I would want to know the answer to is the Black Dahlia. I was just about to say, yeah. I That one, that is what pulled me into true crime as really? a teenager. Oh, okay. Was Black Dahlia. You know, I mean, obviously, just like everyone who's into true crime, serial killers and all that was very fascinating. And I read as much as I could find about a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the Black Dahlia, when I stumbled upon that as a teenager, just really pulled me right into this world. I almost feel like I have, like, I'm more okay with that because I I have a feeling like I know who did it. And I'm okay with that. Like, I'm, I'm okay with being like, yeah, that guy probably did it. And it doesn't gnaw at me. I don't know. I want to know. And now, as we're sitting here talking about these, like, some other ones are popping into my head that obviously I would love to know the answer to. Um, so, did you come up with your third? So you have your your list yeah, of three. Yeah, I did. I had to. I had to get his his name. So Gregory Villeman, the little boy that was killed in France. They last year did a, a documentary on on Netflix, and I don't know if you watched it, but he was outside playing outside of his house, and he was found like two hours later dead in a stream. His mother was washing the dishes, and he was just outside playing right in the front of the window, and someone took him, and he was dead two hours later. Hmm. And then like. The father went and killed who he thought did it, but he's out of prison. He, they're still married. They have more children, and nobody knows who it was. Huh. But the family had, like, a lot of secrets. Like, everyone thinks that it was a family member. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this, the second one, and this is the first one I wrote down, actually, is Lizzie Borden. Huh. I really do want to know whether or not she did it. Like, I definitely believe she did. Yeah, but I, I feel for like sure believe that I would she did. Really, I would really... I would love to have an answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. And, I mean, no, that would be more of a mystery. That's not a crime. Yeah, I, I hate to say, like, OJ, but... Hmm. Because it's just so, like, everybody wonders that. And everyone knows he did it. But I just, like, I want confirmation. Well, that one... See, that, and I think that's why that wouldn't land on a lot of people's lists for this, mm-hmm. is because... Everyone's pretty certain. We already know the yeah, answer like, to that. It's like, just come out and tell us. But it was just that the the investigation there and mm-hmm. the prosecution, that whole strategy, the courtroom strategy, was just very ineffective, was not executed well. Right. And that's why we have the result that we have. Yeah. And uh, just as an honorable mention, because neither one of us listed it, uh, the Zodiac. Yeah, I don't know. The, the Zodiac, honestly, doesn't fascinate me. Like, it fascinates Kind of like the Golden State Killer. Everybody is obsessed with the Zodiac and the Golden State Killer, and I am not. I'll tell and you I, right and now. And I'm pretty sure I know why, but I, it's going to make me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, if it hadn't been... Uh, if it hadn't been for Michelle McNamara's work and, you know, obviously everyone else who was involved with that. Yeah. Um, solving the Golden State Killer, mm-hmm. that probably would have been on my list. Yeah. But we have that solved now. Yeah. We know who did that. Also, another one would probably be uh, the Lindbergh baby. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's another one that I don't think, like, 
Yeah, that more like old ones. Because the ones that gnaw at me are the old ones where like we're running out of time, or we're already out. Of yeah, time. we're at like Jack the Ripper. It's like we're running well, out of time. We're never, <laughs> we're never gonna solve Black right. Dahlia. No. Although I feel like you could have pretty good guesses. Jack the Ripper, though, there's no, like, they have tons of suspects, but there is no, like, solid guess. Well, no, because of the time period. You know, the way that investigations and evidence gathering Mm -hmm. thing, to the extent that it was done at all, the way that it was done is nothing like what we have today. So now And the record keeping, obviously. I'm going to put this as an honorable mention in its own little category just because there's death involved, but it's not necessarily a homicide, depending on what you believe. I would love to know what happened in the Dyatlov Pass, which if you don't know, there were some Russian scientists that had gone and stayed in this Dyatlov's Pass. Nobody had heard from them from several days. And now, mind you, this is super quick, like, story. There's much more detail. And then they found them. Some of them, then they had taken off their clothes in the middle of this snowstorm. And they were all dead in mysterious ways. Some people think it's aliens. Some people think it's the government. Some people think that they had like a psychotic break and it was like hysteria, but, or yeah, they could have been murdered, you know, by their government, by aliens, by each other. Yeah. But I would, I would love to know what happened there. It's intriguing. Maybe we'll cover it. The aliens did Maybe we'll cover. Allegedly. Maybe we'll cover more than one of the cases we've just kind of rattled off. Maybe we already have it planned or recorded. You don't know. That's right. You have no idea. (laughs) Maybe we will. Allegedly. (laughs) You were supposed to plug the name, Mike, and you failed this time. I have done it in grand fashion in the past. (laughs) That was your turn. So are we ending it here, or do you have an intriguing question that we could ponder? Um, I don't know how intriguing the question would be. Because we've talked a lot about docuseries and documentaries and things that Mm -hmm. we've watched. So what's your favorite true crime documentary or docuseries? Oh, okay. And we can have more than one. Okay, I was going to say. I know how we are. We're indecisive. Hold on a second. We didn't have 10 categories to play (laughs) this season. Okay, my very favorite. And this absolutely 100% is one of the cases in this documentary we are going to cover because it's my favorite case of all time. The documentary, however, is called Lost for Life. It was on Netflix, but now I I think you can watch it on YouTube or you can rent it from some sort of streaming service but it's called lost for life and it basically goes into minors that have committed murder and that they're serving life in prison so it goes into all of that but there's one particular case the murder of um cassie joe stoddard we will absolutely cover it's my favorite case of all time we will be covering it we will be dissecting it and debating it and i'm really excited about it to, to share my opinions but number one now that documentary on netflix with the girl who was kidnapped twice. Did you watch me just write that down? No, did you write? No, I you just did not. Wrote down no, you did not. Abducted in plain sight. Oh my god! I watched it again the other day. My jaw again on the floor. I was that like, one, "What?" <laughs> that one is just for the absolute absurdity of that entire story yeah. and the whole timeline of events. The first time. I was introduced to it, and I think you had already watched it. Mike, we sent notes to each other. I have them still in my phone. What, when we were watching it? Yes, after I watched it, I said, we need to discuss and put notes in my phone. Oh, no, well, we, so, but what happened was, then you introduced me to it. We were driving yeah. back 
I can't remember if we were driving back from oh, a movie. Oh, yeah, yes, 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 Or if yes, it was yes. when we took our little weekend trip to D.C. and we had Yes, it, on it was on our back. way back from... It was either on our way back from Elton John from Jacksonville or it was on our way back because I remember it was late at night and we were driving and you were like, hold on, we gotta, I got to finish listening to this part yeah. <laughs> before, I, before you got out of the car. Yes. I think it was when we were coming back from D.C. When we Maybe. went to, uh, when Mean Girls, the musical, yes. we went to see the world premiere on Halloween a few years ago. Yes. So I think we were coming back from there and you had already watched it. Yes. And I'm and just sitting in the car like. Me, <gasps> yeah. And you were telling me about it ahead of time, but I hadn't watched it yet. Yes. And yeah, so yeah. We, we threw it on in the car. So you're listening to it and I'm watching it on the screen. And uh, you were cackling at all of my reactions. Yes, and I had you to were pa- like, what? <laughs> and I had what to, do you mean? <laughs> I had to pause it several times to be yeah. like, wait a minute, did I hear that right? Because it's one of those, we all like to say like, oh my gosh, it'll make your jaw drop or this or that. But we all really sit there and silently watch TV. Right. Not in this nope, documentary. Nope. You could be sitting alone in your house and still be going, what? Okay, and I'll tell you right now. <laughs> what? So I told my older sister about it, mm-hmm. and she watched it, and those were the types of reactions she was having, <laughs> and she was alone in her apartment <laughs> watching it, saying these things out loud. Because you really, it is just... Yeah. It, it's absurd. I can't even, I, there's no better word. It is absolutely absurd that this is a true story, mm-hmm. and that these people really exist and walk this planet. Mm-hmm. And this was the life decisions that they made. Yep. Absolutely insane. Yeah, my third one is... This is the sign of it being erased from the record, everybody. <laughs> Please know that Mike has erased what I said. Heather has picked, <laughs> Heather has picked an incredible, interesting case that we are yes. definitely going to cover. And she was going to include it on this list, but we don't want... It's not a super well-known case. No, and you and we have don't to want you to go it. and Google it. We want to be able to lay it out yes. for you because there are... You have to hear it in a certain... Twists and yes. turns in this story. You have to hear it in a certain order. It has to be... Yeah. So stay tuned if you want to hear my third favorite documentary. There you go. It'll be yeah. coming up soon. We do have it. We have it planned already. <laughs> yeah, we have it scheduled. So um, I think my favorite one, and it's not necessarily the most exciting, mm-hmm. but it was just so interesting... And agreeing to participate in it caused this person to finally be charged and tried with their crimes. And that was, it was made by HBO. My first guess was Tiger King, but no. No. Nope. Although that's a hell of a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that was my fun pick, because holy cow. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Tiger King, Tiger King was great. So the jinx that they did on HBO. I haven't heard of it. You have n- What? I have to have mentioned this to what's, you. What's the case? So I, I want to remember I want to remember his name correctly. So I'm going to Google really quickly. You, I feel like maybe you might have mentioned it when we were like writing I have down absolutely all of the cases we mentioned wanted to, to cover. Yeah, so his name is Robert Durst. Okay, yeah. It sounds super so his, familiar. His wife dies, you know, kind of mysteriously. Then a friend of his dies mysteriously. Oh. A room, not a roommate. It was like a, a neighbor when he was living in these like this basement apartment. Also, mm-hmm. so there's multiple deaths that follow in this man's wake, okay. and just nothing ever gets nailed down. Yeah, I've never and heard so of he, it before. Obviously, it's all you know. It's all kind of circling around him. There's gossip and rumors, and he's the suspect in these things. 
but they're never really able to nail him with it. Yeah. And so he agrees to participate in this docu-series for HBO called The Jinx. And the full title is The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst. And so it's a six-part series. Um, so he agrees to participate. Mm-hmm. And when they're filming the final episode, and they're doing one of the confessionals is like the style of it, but basically like the, the one-on-one, he's being interviewed directly to the right, camera yeah, to yeah. speak. Like a Kardashian. And so they wrap up, and he has to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the bathroom. Oh, no. I know exactly where this is going. Still no wearing way. the mic. Oh, my God. He, on a hot mic, is then in the bathroom saying, they're going to figure this all out. Why did you agree to do this? I mean, like, it's crazy. And so this documentary and that admission is then all, all of a sudden now he's charged and they're moving forward with the trials. I haven't looked into it recently. I can Google it right now while we're talking about it because I, I know that... There was actual action going on with the case. How dumb do you have to be? Well, first of all, to even agree to be on a, a show where right. you're going to like be dissecting a crime that you've committed. So the it looks the uh, his trial has been postponed until April of 2021. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll cover this one in the future when we have some developments on mm-hmm. it. Um, super interesting. You yeah. should definitely find a way to watch it. That's my favorite, and I just because in real time. Mm-hmm. this thing comes out and then all of a sudden they're able to get him. And it's just absolute craziness. So the Jinx, if you haven't seen that series, like Heather, you should definitely watch it. We can it. watch it together. I am also still such a huge fan of The Staircase. I really thought you were going to say Making a Murderer. I have Making a Murderer on my list too. Ugh. Because... I just couldn't... I can't. I, you, I understand where you're coming from. Yours is about the the people, though. My main thing about making a murderer is that where the hell is the victim? Right. They and I understand. I understand that they're well, we following have... Stephen Avery, but to just completely put the victim in there as an afterthought. But we have ugh. that issue with all of these things, I, right? Okay, listen. When you're looking at like. Things on like investigate discovery and stuff like that. They do always at the beginning say something about the victim's life. They all they always do. Those like cable shows are always very respectful. Now, not necessarily in like the true crime community are people talking about these victims, but generally speaking, on cable and stuff like that in a documentary, they usually try to you know talk about the victim and. That didn't happen. But we acknowledge that that's an issue kind of across the whole genre of true crime, that the victims do not get the attention and the time that they deserve. Right. And I'm not taking... That doesn't mean that it's any less of a critique of making a murderer. But you have to remember that making a murderer is about the fact that this man was already wrongfully convicted. Mm. And he gets out and in short order is charged again and convicted. Yeah. Oh, another documentary... That absolutely must be mentioned. If you can make it through this documentary without getting choked up, there's something wrong with you. It's called Letters to Zachary. And this man, who was, his very best friend was murdered. And he, they would always film together when they were young and in the AV club and stuff like that. Well, he decided to make a documentary. He takes like an entire year off. He travels across the country and 
across the globe to get interviews and things like that all to make this documentary video for the son of his friend that has been murdered and i'm not gonna give anything away or say anything if you're not familiar with the case but it is so hard like it's gonna tug at your heartstrings for sure but absolutely give that a watch letters letters to zachary you must watch it it's on amazon you don't have to rent it it's it's on amazon prime if you have it on prime video and um yeah you have to watch it it's yeah it's heartbreaking but really really good what are you writing down now michael i am Making sure that I write down all of our handles for social media for when I plug them at the end of this episode. (laughs) Well, it's the end of the episode, so I hope you're ready. (laughs) Yeah, I sure am. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, well, thanks for joining us back on Allegedly once again. We are constantly texting each other or calling each other just floored. And so appreciative as we watch our listener count tick up and we see... Reviews coming in on Apple Podcasts. We still have a five-star rating. Yeah, I feel like Mike is almost, not necessarily shocked, but always like, wow, <laughs> we got a five-star review. Look, we got a, like, I take just a, so surprised I take a time. screenshot of it and send it yeah. to you. It's not even, the, not even that I'm surprised, but I just yeah, appreciate just like, it so much. And just I'm like, so... Look. I'm so grateful that anyone which I mean, They like, like me. They really like me. <laughs> yeah, because we know they don't like you. Oh, but, God. <laughs> but just that anybody is taking the time yeah, to, to sit and listen to these recordings, then to go and, and leave the rating yeah. or write a review, you know, because, you know, we have several ratings without reviews attached, and we appreciate those just as much, but then to take the additional time and also write out the review so that your words are out there for somebody else to see. So it's not just the two of us constantly sharing posts yeah. and things on social media yeah, or telling our friends and family. Yeah, it's you guys putting yourself out there and saying, hey, trust my review. Go and listen. And it, yeah. yeah it means a lot to us. It's incredible and it's humbling. And, you know, like I said, I'm not shocked by it. You and I are both very happy with the way these things are going. We love doing this, and I think that that comes through. Yeah, and I think at this point, do we have three? I think we have over 300 now. Yeah. As of this very moment of this recording, we have over 300 plays on our podcast. And I've seen some podcasts that have gotten 500 plays in a year. And I'm like, okay, like when looking what to expect. And and no, 300 when you're looking at like making a murderer like Joe Rogan, like, no, that's nothing. But to us, that is huge. That well, is that is huge. We are recording this less than three weeks after we pushed this stuff out. Yeah. Right? We're recording this episode right now, and we haven't even pushed out episode six yet that's going to be coming out this week we have five episodes and and four of them were done as like twofers right we've technically only aired three times and there are people you know there are podcasts out there that want to do a big celebration when they hit 100 plays and we have two episodes already over 100 plays each. Yeah. And we, well, not... we hit that right away. We didn't even like realize it. We were like, oh, <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> well, that was what I, uh, what I texted you last night in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> because I was just awake still yeah. <laughs> and scrolling through this stuff. And I texted you. I'm like, there were 30 new listens on episode one in like the right. last two days. Where yeah. did that come I'm from? In the, I work overnight and I'm in the bathroom and I get this text in the middle of the I night. It was like 2 a.m. Right? Yeah, in right the around middle, two in the morning. Yeah, in the middle of the night, like, 
did you see the <laughs> like are you serious you that was your first response was why are you awake <laughs> you didn't even respond to what and i was telling you why are you bothering you? me i'm tingling <laughs> but yeah again you're you're making our heads big guys because you've and certainly... heather's head is already huge oh god <laughs> <laughs> but yeah again we're, we're just dragging out this episode we absolutely we, are we couldn't. We cannot thank you enough, and we will continue to say it because we need we to make it. sure that you know yeah. that it means so much to us, really. And people that maybe we haven't even talked to, like leaving reviews and listening and texting and messaging us, and like. Well, I that just, was one of the things. You know, I the first written review that we got was from someone that we both went to high school with, but mm-hmm. I don't think. I haven't spoken to in years, and not because there was any issue or any. Oh no, yeah, they just people bad just feelings because we life. fell yeah. out of contact because we weren't in high school anymore. Yeah, and and she leaves this glowing review about how much she's loved listening to it and can't wait for more episodes. Hey, Tabitha, we see you. There. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then um, thank you, Elizabeth, the unofficial president of our fan yep, club that yep. has been interacting with everything we post and messaging us directly to talk about you know to talk about things yeah. and giving suggestions which we are you know we're welcoming from all of you who are listening to this uh but we appreciate those of you who have already yep. given that feedback to us and we're doing our best to incorporate those things and take those ideas in you know but those are both people that we went to school with years ago mm-hmm. haven't really had contact with and we just got super lucky that they wanted to listen to what we were putting out there and they love it and they're vocal about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> we're just repeating the same for things the over first and over time, again. <laughs> for the first time in my entire life, yeah. I think yeah. I've actually run out of words. That's accurate. And for anyone who knows accurate. me, yeah. that is saying something. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening again, guys. We really appreciate it. And we are working diligently to streamline our social medias, the podcast itself, and making this run like a a well-oiled machine and and we are getting getting, there we are not there yet yep but we are certainly getting there and i will say that all of your support has definitely been the most motivating part of it so don't we're working even harder because these reviews are like the reviews and the plays are like oh yeah wow we really we gotta take we have to live up to it yeah (laughs) So don't forget, keep rating, reviewing, subscribing. All the things. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at allegedly underscore pod. You can find us on Facebook at that allegedly podcast. That he just wrote down. I sure did. He apparently can't remember our email. <laughs> you can email us at that allegedly podcast at gmail.com. Feedback, suggestions, tell us you absolutely hate our viewpoint on something and yeah. argue with us. Great. We are totally receptive to all of that. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell everybody. I know sometimes people don't like to admit that they like this stuff, but I think it's a lot more accepted now than it was. Yep. Any time in the past. Or it doesn't matter. Don't tell them what it's about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I guess that's it that's for it. now. Yeah. And we'll be back to talk your ears off again next week. Next week. Yep. So bye. Bye, guys.